and welcome back to Acting Out, a podcast that covers an actor's filmography from when they were wee small, maybe a lad or lass in the industry, to when they're a grown adult. If they're a little grisly. Yeah, we cover the full spectrum of a career, break it down film by film, usually about 10 to 15 films. We'll have some guests on. In this series, we've been talking about Thomas the Tank Hanks. I am your host, Ryan McQuaid. Joining me is my co-host, Mitchell Beaupre. Mitchell, say hi to everyone. Hello. Just the, best, just the best just, intros from you. I don't, every I don't know how to, I don't know how to respond to that. I'm going to be honest. I never will. So let's, right. let's keep going. That's no, fair. <laughs> I listen to other shows. Mitchell's on Mitchell can totally do intros. Perfectly comes on this, their own show. And what do they do? Hello. And then just moves on Polite. four straight episodes. Polite. I'm a nice person. Huh? What can I say? We're not alone today. Correct. We have a guest. You excited about this guest? Yes. See another very concise response. We're gonna we're gonna get this episode done fast. Nope. It's gonna be the longest show we've ever done. Alright. We'll make it a point tonight. Introduce the guest. You know him as the producer and the co-host of the B Side Podcast. Mr. Connor O'Donnell. Connor, welcome to this madness. Thank you so much, Ryan. It's great to be here. And thank you, Mitchell. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, thank you very much. It's uh, it's great to be here. And I'm excited to uh, I'm excited to talk about this movie. Yeah, I don't remember which movie we're talking about. No, just kidding. We specifically asked Connor to come. We're going to we're going to we're going to dish. We're going to per per dish. You guys, I've seen, uh, not, to, yep. not to throw out a spoiler, I've seen some five stars rolling in on Letterboxd for this film recently. I debated as to whether or not I was going to wait to do that. I didn't. <laughs> I'm just putting it out on the table. I didn't. It's, 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 a, it a, wait? it's a query. It's a query for people doing podcasts, whether you want to spoil it, whether you want to get in there. But I, I throw it out there. I throw, you know, I'm on the Letterboxd. Everybody's on Letterboxd. Everybody, <sighs> great site that everybody loves. Everybody uses give your money to pro patron <laughs> subscriptions. You know, we're all doing it. Wear your t-shirts, wear your hats. I don't know. Wear the t-shirts, wear the hats, you know, yeah. get get on the shop, give your money, maybe even just Venmo some of their employees some money if you want. I don't know. I don't you know. know. I so, feel like their employees are making a lot. Maybe they should Venmo their users. See that? I mean, that's that's an interesting proposition. I don't think it's going to happen. Get back to the people. Well, know. I think Letterboxd gives back to the people every single day. <laughs> With their wonderful service. That's that's fair, but also, I mean, <laughs> you throw money around. We we pay for, for service, and I would pay double. Exactly. But don't tell them that I would pay double, Mitchell. I would never tell them that. <laughs> tell them I would pay fifty percent off for one month. Okay. Promo code. Connor, promo code. Think, acting Connor, out. How much do you think? Uh, how much? How much would you pay for Letterbox, Connor, for a subscription uh, to Letterbox? Well, I am a patron. Wonderful, so... wonderful, and we and we thank you for your patronage. Yeah, yeah. So we I, thank you for your whatever service. whatever that patronage pilgrimage is is however much. Yeah. yeah. 
I I'm set a, it to auto renew. So honestly, I couldn't. I'm a, I'm a I, okay. This is so I had my Patreon membership set to auto renew. And then I started working for Letterboxd, which when you start working for Letterboxd, you get like a crew badge. You're automatically a patron. I mm. did not realize that I needed, I still needed to cancel <laughs> my auto renew patron membership. So about a month ago, I got an email that was like, Letterboxd just charged you $50 or whatever it is for patron. And I was like, wait, <laughs> what? <laughs> And then I had to email my boss and be like, hey, any way I can get a refund for this? Mitchell, do we have to report Letterbox Store to the Letterboxd Credit Bureau or something? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're sorry. It's actually been processed. And I feel like I should get some sort of hazard pay for that, honestly. Yeah, like 20 it was it was a shock. It was a shock. They pay, they pay you back one dollar at a time. <laughs> 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 I only have a pro account. Does that make me lesser on here? I mean, kind of weird if you're if you're the co-host of a podcast with somebody who works for Letterbox. But you know, oh, I mean, no, it's, it's my it's yearly. Whatever. Sub- it's whatever. I paid a pro subscription. Correct. I I have not. It has not expired yet, but I plan on moving up to the Patreon level this year, in August. And we thank you for your patronage. <laughs> <laughs> preemptively, preemptively. Yeah, this is just, this is just a great show. This is just a great show so far. We're here to talk about Road to Perdition. You know, I was... <laughs> so, a little inside baseball. So, I was watching this movie the other night. Because I was watching a ton of other movies for other shows that we're doing, Mitchell. As well as other shows for other podcasts that I have to do. So, I basically spent like a good weekend watching like five or six movies in one day it was it was some were good some were bad some were terrible and then there was road to perdition which we're here to talk about and have have either one of you seen barry sure the the television series barry oh sure yeah i haven't watched this season yet okay this Correct, isn't a spoiler either. for the okay. new season yeah, yeah or anything yeah. Uh-huh. which if you're not watching barry out there please go watch barry, barry does die but you know other <sighs> yeah no spoilers it's weird that like uh, Stefan killed him. Anyway, um, so there's a scene, I believe it's in season two of Barry, where Barry goes to um, Henry Winkler and he's and he gets offered like this part in a J. Roach movie. And Henry Winkler has one of the great lines of like something along the lines of like, what's your character's name? And he tells him the character's name. That's that's the name of the character. He's he's like he's like on every page he goes like yeah like the, you know he says like this line in the movie and he reads the line and it's literally the line of the title of the film and henry winkler says they can't cut that out <laughs> so now every time i see the title of a movie get put into that movie or said by a character like in this one where it's like we're on the road the road to perdition I went, they can't cut that out. You know, that one's at least getting that guy's getting paid. It's a tissue line. And do, it's the tissue they say it. Yeah. When they're, they when they're they, on the when they're on the road to perdition, they say. Yeah, I know that they say they're going to perdition. No, they say it's the name the of the they say they're on, destination. They're on the road Ryan. to perdition. They say they're on the road to perdition. I want to. OK, them. all right. I have I'm a witness. Right. Is it the one? It's my wife one. watched it with me. And she was like, is the one shot where Hank looks, looks directly you, in the camera. 
Hanks looks directly in the camera and he's like, we're on the road to perdition. He just kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like that. And then like Mitchell just reiterated, then Borat shows up and goes, my wife. And then that's, (laughs) (laughs) oh God, oh God, they killed my wife. (laughs) My wife. (laughs) Jennifer Jason Lee plays my wife. Jennifer Jason Lee, who has more uh, names than she does lines. In it's this a, movie? That's a fascinating, <laughs> fascinatingly small role for her. It's I was watching um, <laughs> Sam, my partner and I were watching Fast Times at Ridgemont High this morning because um, Sam had never seen a great movie. Um, yeah. And Sam was like, I it's so weird seeing Jennifer Jason Lee so young because Sam only really knows her from like her more recent films. And I had to explain like, yeah, she was a huge star like especially in the 90s and like you know a little bit the 80s like she was like one of the biggest stars around and then she got a certain age and hollywood was just like all right five second you know five lines and wrote to perdition from now on you can be miles teller's mom in the spectacular now and like that's (laughs) that's right it's somehow a worse role than like concerned wife on the phone kind of thing you know what i mean it's like because it's it's like the amy ryan Bridges spies role, like, <laughs> right? Proud, but, but, if Amy, but if Amy Ryan got cold blooded murdered, yeah, right, right. Well, it's, we didn't I'm, see that cut of the film, and that's not to fair. say it's not. That's not to say it's not effective. It's just it. It no. is kind of what's weird is it's not. It's also not stunt casty enough to be right, that surprising. Yeah. When she, it's kind of like in some weird limbo between those yeah. things. Because if it's mm. like. Uh, if it's like Jennifer Connelly or something, right? right? At that time, yeah, 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 yeah. You're like, you're like, whoa, shit, this is gonna be nuts. And then <laughs> when she gets murdered, you're like, oh my god, that's the saddest thing I've ever. And great, it's very sad. It's anyway. very sad. We're not under. <laughs> we're not just, just less. Let you're saying, Connor. A, you are saying on the record that it's less sad to see Jennifer Jason Lee die than Jennifer Connelly. That's what you're saying on the record. I'm doubling down. <laughs> yes. So no, but it's it. it <laughs> I guess mostly because. Jennifer Jason Lee is like just recognizable enough that you're like, oh, it's nice to see her in something or whatever. Yeah. Right. And then when she is dispatched with uh, (laughs) relatively soon, it you're kind of like, uh, oh, like it just almost it 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 should have been a straight up like this should almost like a it's nice to see you. Right. Yeah, it should be it should be someone's first role. Was she here? Like like kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, Did she miss Um, the cookout? Like it's kind of like. And again, I thought she's I, always coming to these things. As Mitchell alluded, I gave this movie five stars on Letterboxd. This is not my first time watching it. So I it clearly doesn't really hinder the movie for me. It is just something that's like a little. It's an interesting little moment. Yeah, it's something you talk about maybe on a podcast. <laughs> sure, sure. And we're back. And <laughs> we're back. Anyway, uh, let's start recording this thing. Thanks for listening <laughs> to Acting <laughs> Ah, uh, no, but uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, OK, so maybe before we talk about this movie, you know, Connor, you brought up that you gave this movie five stars. Mm-hmm. I've always had this this curiosity because and I've never talked to Mitchell, I believe, about Ever. this. Ever. You've no. never spoken. This is before the, this, this is the first time that we're just, yeah. <laughs> We're recording. I got, I got the Zoom Hello. link. My DMs didn't know who it came from. I just clicked on this. Just slid on in say, you want a podcast? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But no, I, 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 so just give a little backstory. So when I first started out at in session film, um, the great JD Duran 
Brendan Cassidy, Jay Ledbetter. We all did the, the podcast together and they sort of introduced me to Letterboxd. I had not known about Letterboxd until about 2018. God bless and them. God bless them. And I was like, great. I need a place to like rank shit and put things in order and keep my life in track because my God, it could go all over the place. You- Letterboxd doesn't do your taxes. <laughs> well, well, we, we, it is. That's the Patreon level I'm talking about. And- <laughs> when, when you get Patreon, I do do your taxes. Please send me all of your bank account information. <laughs> Last four digits of your social. No, Mitchell, you get the full social. Letterboxd will walk your dog and. I would, I would walk. Raise, raise your children. <laughs> you, you love Sadie. You could walk Sadie. Oh, yeah. She's, she's a sweetheart. I'll walk any uh, dog. Any dog? Any dog. Any dog. Any dog. I will walk and love any dog. Okay. What about a dog with no legs, Mitchell? <laughs> wow. You, Whoa! Honestly, honestly, no, Connor, it's a good point. I, I formally you apologize. That one. You would, I, you would I, maybe roll yeah. it along, or exactly, exactly. Yeah. I formally apologize if I misspoke in any kind of way. Anyway, rate, review, and subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> Hand in your badge and your gun. <laughs> uh, anyway, my question. Well, my thing was is that I first started out over there. I started doing the show, and like the movies that I started giving out. Uh, you know, ratings to you, you know, and you start ranking everything towards the end of the year. And then I realized I was like, man, why do I have like 13 five star movies from this year? What is what is wrong with me? And then I started, and so I had like a deep existential crisis. I went to the woods, I chopped wood, uh, I hung out with deer. Um, and I, and I, I believe I found myself, and I, I said to myself, I would not give a movie uh, five stars within its given year unless I have done a couple of things. One is see it more than once. Mm-hmm. Two, have some time in between the screenings. Maybe I saw it at home, see it a couple months later. Maybe I saw it in the theater, see it a couple months later. Maybe finally buy it, watch it at home, see it a couple months later. Give it time, you know. Yeah, but with the cl- buying is a big. I, I'm basically in agreement yeah. with everything you're saying. Sorry, keep going. No, but no, no, no. <laughs> well, I, and I, I'm almost done with my uh, hypothesis, and then I can Thank God. give it to the sh- rude. Um, <laughs> going to stay at pro level now, um, but it'll, it, by the end of this, we'll figure <laughs> it out where goes, it goes down each time. Weirdly, I'm crew level now, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but. No, so I was just kind of curious because uh, Mitchell, you're part of the ship, part of the crew over there at uh, Letterboxd. Yes, that was a dead man's chest reference. And Connor, you're an avid you know patron, so you give mm-hmm. money over there, and uh, so you have a say, and in keeping that ship afloat. So I'm just curious about five star ratings because for me, when it comes to things that aren't within this given year, I am much more flexible about giving a five-star review especially if it's something classic something pre i think (laughs) for a film twitter 1980 anything anything before like that year i'm like if i love this movie i'm like man that's pretty much a five-star movie like when i was watching a bunch of palin pressburger movies i was like yep yeah 
Agre- what am yeah. I denying myself? These are I great. Recently, you know. I recently watched, speaking of which, I recently watched uh, Colonel Blimp for the first oh. time this year. And the minute it ended, I was like, boom, five. Like, I no notes. Like, I just you can't like, say anything. Yeah, no, it's like a it's like a perfect movie. And I I like I just mentioned, I, I agree basically with everything you said. And I think part of what dictates. A, well, because I just I I'll give something within a given year a five star rating. But yeah, it, it does depend on all the factors you just mentioned, like. Mm. And I kind of have a general policy of like, if I'm seeing like, you know, if I'm, uh, you know, if I'm watching a 2022 film and I really, really like it, it's maxing out at four and a half stars. Cause I just yeah. can't, you know, I like, I haven't allowed time to, to do what it does to movies. And this movie I saw, I didn't see it in theaters, but I saw it the year it came out. And I want to say maybe like my, one of my older siblings had like rented it or something on like on demand or something. And that's where we watched it. So it's one of those movies that uh, for listeners who might not know back in the day when you would order something on demand, it would just be there and then play for like 24 hours or whatever your initial rental period was. And it was on a specific channel. So if you tuned (laughs) into that channel, it would just be playing again. So this was a movie that I, within a 24 hour period, saw maybe three times. (laughs) Because I watched it once and then over the course of the next day or so was like, oh, yeah, I'm flipping around and I'm like, let's see where Road to Perdition is at. <laughs> and like, you know, it'd be like some great scene or whatever. Um, and I actually had mentioned this to Dan Mecca, my my B-side co-host uh, and dear friend off mic. I had mentioned to him right after I finished watching this for this, I had said, you know, if I were to have blind rated this. Right. Like not rewatching it, whatever. I probably would have given it four stars. Like in my brain, I'm like, hey, it's a four star movie. Like it's not perfect or whatever. And then when I want, there are just things in this movie that just kind of. I they, it sweeps you off your feet a little bit if you let it. And I think that's where that fifth star kind of comes from in, in the sense that it. There are things that it does that other movies in the genre obviously do better but I think for all the boxes it's trying to check and for all of the things it's trying to exercise and all of the sort of ways it excels in various departments, it's aces on all those levels. So it's just kind of, you know, it, it, it's a weird way to think about this movie. Like it may not be one of the, like the greatest gangster movies ever made necessarily, like in terms of if you wanted to create some kind of a, a canon, like it might be, in the middle of that pack or whatever, but on its own, it's just one of those movies that as you watch it, you're like, Oh yeah, this is just a perfect little, little movie. Mitchell, do you have like a policy about five-star movies? No. Since I, you, uh, you own letterbox. I do own letterbox. I started it. I appreciate you mentioning that it really it's about it time. It's about me. time. We I, mentioned it for for me the like rating wise it's it's all just like gut for me and i don't really differentiate um like a current year i gave four movies five star ratings last year mm. and i haven't given any one this year uh mm. so far but it really is just like if if i feel like i love it enough to throw it the five stars i'll throw it the five stars i don't i don't care do you ever demote a movie 
all, I, I have. all the time. I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I and that, that's the thing too. I can change my rating sometimes just like over yeah, upgrade, over time upgrade or, or upgrade too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When it's, Mitchell sees the Batman again, it's gonna go up. We don't need to talk about the Batman. I got I got um, I got a feeling. <laughs> I got a feeling. I, but yeah, it is. It is just kind of. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. I don't have a lot of like rules for for my Ooh. ratings. I don't think. I weirdly, Sam and I were kind of talking about this the other day. We both uh, we rewatched Sex Lies and Videotape together, mm. which is one of Sam's like favorite favorite movies. And yet they only give it a four and a half. And it's like that's one of your favorite movies of all time. Uh, if it's and one of my like, favorites, it's a five. It's, yeah. And yeah, Sam's like. It's just not a perfect movie. Like it's not, it's not, I can't call it a perfect movie to give it a five stars, even uh, if they might like it more than like it might be more of a favorite for so them it's like the conundrum of being when you when we have to sit there and make top 10 lists at the end of the year. It's like, it's like the best we, versus favorite. Oh, thing yeah. Are we talking about sure, our right, favorite right, right, 10 yeah. films of the year? Or are we talking about what we but think me, are the best I, 10 films of the year? I don't so, differentiate. Something ahead, is, no, I was just going to say something as old as sex lies is is surprising in this context. Well, that is a tale as old as time. Sex and lies yes. <laughs> and lying about sex. Um, you are the videotape has changed media. Streaming platform. Um, no, but the yeah, the I given how old that movie is in comparison to say something like, yeah, like a 2022 film, it is a little surprising that Sam wouldn't just be like, yeah, fuck it, five stars. Cause like you, that, yeah, that to me is where that 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 bridging the gap between like a four and a half and a five star comes from, where it's like, look, it's been forever. I watch it all the time. I know it's not perfect, but I love it every time. Like yeah. It's it's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting to me. And then so then Sam questions my rating style where we, I saw or well, the two of us together watched Snake Eyes, the De Palma film for the first time. I had never seen it before, like two months ago, which is a crazy That's movie. the G.I. Joe De Palma film, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I we finished watching it. And usually when Sam and I watch something um we'll finish watching it and we it's like almost like a game of who can ask the other one first like what what do you rate it like what's Mm. your star rating on letterboxd and we finish it sam goes what do you rate and i was like five and sam's like what really and i'm like hell yeah what do you like i don't even have to think about it you so you shoot from the hip though exactly you'll you'll like the credit the credits will roll because i even i have a hard time doing that um even with a rewatch Sure. You no, know, I feel like I need a little bit of dis unless like I'm going to be well, I'm going to be perfectly honest, unless like if I've had like a little bit to drink, <laughs> I was going to say I'm we want you now a little dishonest. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, if, if I've had like a little bit to drink and say I'm watching, oh, I don't know, uh, West Side Story. Right. At, you know, at like 2 a.m. or something, I'm like, fuck it, five star, like whatever, like, you know, <laughs> um, Although Spielberg's West Side Story, I believe I do have a five stars. Um, wow. So, but that actually, that that's a movie that fits in perfectly, Ryan, with your, the process you described. Like I had seen that at a press screening. I really liked it. Right. And then I saw it again with my wife. I liked it even more. And then yeah. I bought the Blu-ray and I watched the Blu-ray. And this is even after like when it hit streaming, I was like, yeah, I'm going to just put it on the background or whatever. But like once I watched the Blu-ray, it ended. And I'm like, yeah, five stars. Like I don't. Wow, I, yeah. what, am I do- what am I doing here? Well, I remember uh, walking into my press screening for that in an IMAX mm. three days after Thanksgiving and nobody was there. And it was just me 
in the in the press content. So you you and Ansel Elgort just sitting nah. in the theater together. I was like, hey, hands off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um there's a whole theater. Why did you sit next to me? God, I hate when people do that. This is the number one thing that drives I me. I also hate when like, people do that. This is a whole theater. Why did you pick the seat next to me? Especially or now even, when even you can the pick seat your in seats? front sometimes. Like if you're yeah. sitting, I try to seat be courteous. in front, I think is fine. Seat behind you, I think is worse. I don't want somebody behind me. I well, I'm also I'm not a tall fellow. So oh. like if I'm like sitting, if I'm sitting in the center or whatever, in like an optimal seat, it also depends on the theater. So if the seating isn't necessarily like, like stadium, what are you like five, 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 eight? Yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Right. Well done. Mitchell's um, about five eleven. Five eight. Oh, five eight. Oh, you're five eight. Okay. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, Mitchell. You read taller. Yeah, you read taller. That's that's. An, I'm a very small person. I'm five eight. I weigh like hundred and ten pounds. <laughs> like I'm, I'm a small person. You know, it goes along with being historically wants- quite quite sick. Yeah. Quite sick. <laughs> yeah. Nobody wants to guess mine. We're good. Uh, Moving on. Let's see. You've got the voice of a tall fellow. It's true. Thank you. Yeah, you've got the. No, that's vo- correct. Okay. I'm I'm six foot. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Not to brag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I love uh, is you could totally be lying, and I'm just like, yeah, sure. No, I got I got photo. Well, no, it's at the time of this recording this weekend. Uh, you've got a picture of you next to the ruler. I have a wall. picture next to Bruce Springsteen, who's five ten, and I'm taller than Bruce Springsteen. Oh. So. Okay. So the boss doesn't lie. It's on my face, Mitchell. It's on my Facebook. You can go look. Which <laughs> is like I still don't. I still don't buy it. Um, but no, I I just I agree, Dan. Because that you know. But I also too like. Did you just call this, Connor Dan. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. People do it all the time. It's <laughs> sorry. Really it's okay. late when we're doing those guys. He mentioned Dan. Um, no, sure. Connor. I agree sure, with it's, you. It's his fault. Yeah, it's his fault. Blame the guests. When in doubt. Uh, but no, I remember being at, I know this is going to sound really bad, but people, people are going to just suck it up and deal with it. I was at Middleburg film festival last year and I watched, come on, come on a movie that made me absolutely sob. And I bawled my eyes out. The next film they showed was Belfast. And I think because my, my guard was down already. Then I watched that film and I sobbed a lot, especially at the end of that movie. Probably not great in hindsight. And then like Brana came and did a Q and A. I was like, "Oh God, you're a great movie." A Q and A will do a lot though. <clears throat> yeah, it will. Yeah. And so then I, so then everyone was like hating on it during the award season, and I and I, I watched it again, and I'm like, "Oh, this isn't, this isn't. Come on, come on, betrayed me." Like this, this yeah. <laughs> destroyed me for the thing. Got me ready for that. Like I think if I watched them back to back, I think I would feel the same thing. But I didn't, and so the movie moved down for me mm. um, significantly. And so I feel like that in the inverse too. It's like you know, like what you're saying there. It's like we watch a movie, you watch a movie, uh, and it just you feel so heightened by it. But like I've only done and broke my rule once, and it was in 2020 when uh, David Byrne's American Utopia came out. I watched that movie, I think, like once a week because I needed some form of optimism. Yeah, I mean, that's there's also if you're watching it once a week, there's no denying. No, right. right, There's there's not. Yeah. But, you know, speaking of a movie that we could watch once a week. Let's talk about Road to Perdition. (laughs) (laughs) 
I just I want to I want I want it when this is live. I want to like Mark in the comments or wherever all the timestamps or you just go, let's talk about road to bridge. <laughs> uh, I think we've hit like, oh, is, what are we at? Three now? Something no, like we're that? at two. Okay. We're at two. Okay. We're really going to actually break this down because the movie is written and directed by Sam Mendes. In the story, it's, not, course, it's, not written, it's not written by Sam Mendes. No? No. Oh, that's right. He can't write. Um, Fam- fam- famously can't write. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's David Liam Michelle. David Self. Yeah, they're all. <laughs> <Liam Michelle. laughs> um, Tom Hanks, Paul Newman, uh, Daniel Craig, Jennifer Jason Lee. Um, I can never get the, uh, the kid's name right. I can. I know his first name. I was, was going to ask Connor uh, Heckner. Heckner. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Heckner? Right, I'm going with that. Oh, Hecklin. Sorry, sorry. Hecklin. Heckler. I'm I'm amalgamating his name with David Keckner. Oh, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, But it's the same thing happening there grammatically or whatever. Uh, But yeah, it's it's Hecklin. Yeah. Yeah. Jude Law. I thought Jude Law. Speaking of Belfast, Kieran Hines briefly, Uh, and of course, of course, Stanley Tucci. The Tucci. The Tucci. Why not? Little touch of the tooch never heard a movie. That's true. Yeah. When he showed up in this movie. That's yeah, that's I clapped a little bit. I, I was so like, Mike, have you have you seen this before, Ryan? No. Oh, interesting. Never seen okay. this movie before. Okay. Very, caught me off guard when I saw Ryan's letter. Never got in the car. Without the rewatch next to it. Never got in the car. Never went to the road. Never just went never to went to Perdish. Never no, never went to Perdish. Now, is there a reason that you avoided it all these years? Or was it just Sam kind of a Mendes? Movie? It was okay. the it was the Mendez. Let yeah. me let me just say this. Put this and put my cards out on the table. Mm-hmm. Not a fan of Sam Mendes. Sam Mendes murdered your whole family. <laughs> and it just it was too sensitive a topic for he's me to your, watch. He's movie. your Daniel Craig. <laughs> now he has made two fantastic films <laughs> that I will say. Sam What's, oh, I, so actually, I, yeah, I'm curious to know what your other one. Oh, it's Skyfall. Okay, interesting. Skyfall is fantastic. Speaking of demoted movies, that is oh, a movie. No, yeah, when I rewatched all of them before No Time to Die, uh, not all of them. I rewatched all the Craig ones before No Time to Die, and I demoted Skyfall. I'm with Connor. I, um, I Skyfall but, four stars for me but, the year it came out, but it's lower but, now. But, no, no, but I I understand why people like it. Um, because I think that movie does excel in all of the ways that this movie excels. I think, I think as a director, Mendez has he feels like a very pragmatic director insofar as like he has the faculties to be able to pull like departments that are all doing their best work together into something cohesive. He can elevate people. Yeah. yeah, And that's, and there's, that's not nothing. Right. So that's, you know, uh, but I, I I largely agree with you on like generally his body of work, although I haven't, I feel like people like Jarhead. I kind of like Jarhead. And I haven't watched that one in a long time. I remember just Um, being like emptied by Jarhead. I kind of like Jarhead. You also, know what I, I, would, I like. You know what I give a pass to, mm. and nobody's. You, you both are going to discredit me. Mm. I do give a pass to Spectre. 
I liked I so here's the thing. I liked that movie more. That movie got a promotion in my letterbox. Okay, when I wrote okay. please tell me you did not um, almost just say that Skyfall is is lesser than Spectre. It's no, I ranked them the same though, because Skyfall is a James Bond movie for people who don't like James Bond movies. And Spectre is a worse made movie, but it's it is actually a James, but it but it is actually a James Bond. Yeah, movie like that's the thing like about that's the thing about Spectre is that that's a big dumb fun Roger Moore kind of style. Yeah, it, uh, it you know if, like it like Skyfall is him making like his Connery sort of arrow version of that. Yeah, and then like Spectre's like I'm just gonna do dumb shit if and get away uh, with it, and I'm like I'm kind of for dumb shit love if, fan service to the fans because I Craig, I'm a big uh, Bond fan so. I think if Craig stopped at Spectre, we would have all realized over time that he and Pierce Brosnan had the exact same trajectory as James yeah. Bond yeah. because they had like the out of the gate <laughs> banger directed by Martin Campbell, who's directed mm-hmm. two of the best James Bond movies. And then they had the follow up that is decidedly not as good, though, although maybe a little more maligned than it deserves. Quantum of Solace, good movie. And then they had the third one that was like the personal one, like I do a like a little bit more. The world is not enough. As do that's, I. I, that's I agree. Movie. And then they had the yeah, and then they had the fourth one that was like Ooh, full huh. on, full on throwbacky. <laughs> I'll take Spectre though over Die Another Day. But that's because Die Another Day is like a Roger Moore movie, and <laughs> it, Spectre, you're right. And Spectre is like a, a little more of a Sean Connery movie. And that's fair. Um, anyway, which one's la- who, I, and then uh, No Time to Die is Lazy Me, right? Which is secretly one of the best James Bond movies. Which well, is why that it works mo- yeah, so well, well. well, that movie is that movie. <laughs> this never is a great story. Fellow. It's a great story, but like the Lazy Me of it all ruins it. Oh, uh, really? He's just so bad. good actor. Good actor. <laughs> we we really was able to carry on the, our chance with him. Yeah, I was really able to carry on the mantle there. Right. Um, um. <laughs> sorry. Anyway, but uh, that's all to say, I think he, Sam Mendes as a director doesn't necessarily do it for me either. And I yeah. think this is I think this is his best movie by either like, for Kate Winslet by that's true Mm. uh but by a wide margin because even i like i remember liking uh revolutionary road the year it came out and on rewatch i kind of like it less i also think once you put it against like what the book actually is versus what's on screen you're like oh you mean this could have been funny and then you're like yeah also too like it is so weird i think i've said this on another show or something but it is so weird that of all the directors to reunite kate and leo after titanic <laughs> it's this fucking knob you know what i mean like yeah. what are we they what? still do have the great chemistry though oh they're so good they're, in the film though they're yeah. very good shannon it's a decent movie but he, yeah but, but that's that's a good example uh, to your point ryan of of he uh, he elevates people like he yeah. and i think um i think this movie is an example of that too although I think part of the reason this is his best movie, at least from a technical standpoint, is it does just feel the most cohesive where, like, like I said, like everybody in every department is like firing all cylinders in like yeah. a really in a really great way. Yeah, It almost yeah. feels like a like a technically perfect movie, right? Agreed. Like you yeah, really like can't. You- I gave it so I gave it four stars. You Get guys both gave it five stars. <laughs> <laughs> and 
like I don't the thing too it's it kind of speaks to my whole thing of like my rating being more of like a gut kind of feeling of just sure. like what feels right for me and because it is a thing where it's like I give it four stars not a five stars but there's not really any complaints that I can level at the movie and be like this is the reason that I knocked it down interacting with with uh, negative people um i haven't come across many people who have personally told me this complaint but i feel like the general vibe of people who do not like this movie is that i feel like their main complaint is it's almost like basic simplicity mm-hmm. and i think i think sometimes that can translate into like oh it's not as smart as it thinks it is and it's not as like deep as it thinks it is and granted, like that might be true. Like, I don't necessarily know exactly how Sam Mendes feels about this movie, but I think that like it is a simple story told simply, which yeah. is I to me like its greatest strength. Like it and granted, I you know, listener, you might hear that and be like, oh, but it's like it looks so grand and whatever, and that's all true. But like what's actually happening, like what the screenplay for this is what. 65 pages long probably right yeah. like it because it's so so much of it is is thomas newman and conrad hall just like oh, kind of filling so in the spaces good. but like who better who better to fill in yeah. the, the air of your movie than the than two of the best people to ever do it right like yeah, yeah. um but uh and sorry i feel like i'm i'm going off on a tangent no, here, no, no, no please. but i but i think i think what do you think people, of the film no, i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> i think that's i think that's people's biggest complaint is that it feels just like a little on the nose and whatever and to your point earlier ryan like we just the we're going to the on the road to perdition like <laughs> sure i get it but i also just like it's also just like a tight little movie so i feel like it's a it's given a few allowances i think in departments like yeah that. Yeah. Um, yeah i don't personally. i don't knock i don't think it's fair to knock the movie for not having like a grander ambition when it is very much just a story about fathers and sons right Ooh. and i think that give for, me those all day baby <laughs> all for, day for men and like reading of like about stuff mendez was saying about it was like that it was that like he loved the idea that it was a simple story that had this like thematic richness to it but that it was a simple story and that they could build it very minimal dialogue and that especially coming off of American Beauty, which is a movie that's praised so much for its screenplay and the words and everything in it. He really wanted to do something that was stripped like that. It feels like it could be like an O. Henry short story or something like, I don't know. There's like a, (laughs) I, you know, I don't know. There's like a vibe to it that just, uh, yeah, I don't know it. I one of the big obvious sort of visual cues is Edward Hopper. Um, and there are a few, there are a few, I think, shots in the movie. There's one in particular, which is right. We're going right. I mean, we already talked about people dying, but yeah, we're yeah, going just bounce, full, bounce around. Full, full spoiler. Hey, who who yeah, died? So <laughs> no, but specifically after the sequence in uh where uh where he kills uh Paul Newman. What? He comes, and I think it's after he killed. He's killed Daniel Craig too. He comes back to where little Michael is is staying, like whatever the motel or hotel or wherever they're in. And there's the shot where he's coming down the hallway, and the right. door the the door is sort of on the opposite wall than yeah. at the end of the hall. And so they're both facing the camera, and little Michael sitting on the bed. And that's one of those things where it's like 
if you just needed a frame to like be like, oh, did Conrad Hall understand the assignment? And you're like, <laughs> oh yeah, it like it, that frame alone just looks like a like an Edward Hopper painting. Oh, I know, because I'm because um, it's like even the when Mike when Mike Senior gets killed, and you're just sitting there, it's the most because like with a shot like that, it could be so oppressive on the eyes mm-hmm. because it's such sure. a bright light. It's the, like the end. It's like you know, obviously it's it's homage to like oh it's a bright light at the end of the tunnel and all that other Mm. crap and everything and what's so great about it is it's still got a dark exterior around it it doesn't you're sitting there at the edge and you know what's going to happen like you're not an idiot like this you know exactly what's going to happen but the way that not only is it shot but the way that the you can see in the image behind him law move just a smidge enough to know that he's there yeah it's so meticulously smartly crafted and it's it's all the little things it's the yeah. little things and it's and you're right it's that he mendez talked about after the success and the oscars and the winning of american beauty a movie that i really don't like it's just not aged well and it's it why just, hasn't it aged well <laughs> oh i don't know you know <laughs> Like it's just it's just not an appeasing uh, film uh, to watch uh, like now and even back then it felt kind of weird too watching like this is the movie we're all going crazy about and there's like trash bags floating in the wind anyway so like to to want to do this I mean he wasn't really the first person that thought about doing this it almost went down the route of being Steven Spielberg and then because he bought the rights. Right. Um, yeah, he like said it in like nine in like ninety nine too. It was like yeah. early. It's like yeah. an early DreamWorks buy. Yeah. Yeah, which is like, it makes kind of sense. It, uh, I, if I had to guess, I I also wouldn't be surprised if like Ron Howard wasn't yeah like in that list please too. Don't. Like it. Please please don't uh, say that. <laughs> <laughs> Hanks no, has worked enough instance, with that man. <laughs> hang on, no no no. But for instance, like put this movie against yeah. an, another, and you might you're gonna you might roll your eyes. But put this movie against a movie like Cinderella Man, right? Yeah. Another like you could almost double bill them on a you could program them together. Or yeah. Something, right. No, I agree. Uh, yeah. And I could see how they'd probably both be, you know, whatever, circling around each other. I think even in the list of projects that Mendez was offered when he was offered this movie, Beautiful Mind was Beautiful Mind, which yeah. makes, makes a ton of sense. Well, it also feels like with this, with Spielberg looking at the story, it being very dark you know it, you can tell then like movies like like a munich is is coming very very soon sure. so you know he's he's thinking about uh, stevie making, would have directed the shit out of this movie oh, oh yeah yeah, yeah. this I movie mean, look we you talking about I, you talking about thomas newman how about uh, john williams doing the score yeah. <laughs> i mean that yeah. said thomas newman he did great i'm not saying that i'm sure. just like but, can yeah. you imagine mm. you know, like, it would have been would have been insane yeah, it probably would have had the same cast too. Are sure, we, right, right. Like, yeah, yeah. I think. Um, yeah, new I mean, Sean it instead of Conrad, maybe. I think would have probably been a little bit easier than like that Sam would have been great. To, Sam Mendes having to go all the way out to Paul Newman's house and sitting down with them <laughs> would have been like, "Hey, Paul, it's Steven Spielberg. Right, right. want to do a movie together." Yeah. I know? do think Janusz doing it instead of Conrad Hall would have been the great loss. That would be the huge. Yeah. Cause I feel like Newman to Williams, that's, you know, you're kind of, you're trading up basically, you know, you're kind of batting even at that point, but I, I not, I'm not to 
disparage uh, Holly Hunter's husband, Janusz Kaminski. <laughs> but, um, as, as he likes to be known. But yeah, indeed. Um, <laughs> but, On his business cards. <laughs> it does. Not, I mean, it does feel like, especially when you're talking about the, like how much Hopper is clearly like an influence and like a, a touchstone for this movie. It feels like the movie is Conrad Hall's even maybe more than it is like Sam Mendes. When you talk about like, oh, I, I, think, unequ- I, yeah, I think unequivocally that's true yeah. because I think, and again, I think there there is a credit to Sam Mendes in this regard of like he knows who he's right. working with and he knows who he has on his side. And that's like, especially for someone coming from like a huge peak to be like, what's my next movie or whatever. I this feels like s- such a smart decision on his part in oh, terms of yeah. like, yeah, let me just fucking get the A team together and like <laughs> make my life like let me just make my life easy. Like and again, I mean, I'm sh- I'm sure he directed this movie insofar as, you know, steering the ship, keeping everything moving or whatever. But like, how much do you actually have to do? When when, you have, exactly. Yeah. When, you, when you have Conrad. But Hall, as a director, when, you have to make those decisions about who you're going to put behind those battle stations. Uh, uh, well, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, I think that's exactly what Conrad said. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's it's it makes it makes us as an audience member think, man, that is an effortless yeah. job that that person has to do. As opposed to like when you're making an American beauty, regardless of the quality of the film, like it's 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 his first go around of it and everything that that script really carries a lot of it. He gets these great performers. He comes from the stage. So it's mostly have to sit back with that movie and allow it to, to, to sort of ferment. And I think that that's where his mind comes from is the stage and in doing a lot of that and really allowing his actors and his and his crew to really to shine. For me, I'm just like before this movie and really like I say Skyfall is 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 fantastic and I love that movie, but I really never think about <laughs> I never think about Sam Mendes. I think about like Deacons and I think about yeah, Javier Bardem yeah. and I yeah. think about Craig and I think about Dench and I think about the fact that this character has been around for 50 years and what they're doing with that story. Like a lot of it is all those things. And then I'm like, oh yeah. And Sam Mendes was uh, the director. And so like, I'm never been a big fan of Jarhead, like revolutionary road. Like Mitchell says, it's fine. And it really hasn't aged. Well, I think the performances are good. And then like, I'm not a fan of 1917. I'm not a fan of American. Oh yeah. I don't Cause even, even I, yeah. Like I, It's funny. I fucking totally forgot that movie existed. Which one? 1917. Yeah, it's not. not I don't even think it's that bad. It's just more like I just. That's it. I give it like a two and a half on Letterboxd. It's like it's like a nothing to me. I think 1917 falls squarely in the world of like the worst thing that ever happened to it was like all of its oscar hopeful right. awards it's one campaign. of those like because yeah. because just and i know it didn't win which would have been even worse for it but oh, like God. but yeah. i but it, it it did maybe not dissimilarly from american beauty it did kind of reek of like by the time i saw it you're kind of like this movie yeah, yeah. like yeah. whereas <laughs> like if it if it had zero fanfare i probably would have seen it be like yo that thing rips like i you know <laughs> i probably wouldn't have even i remember yeah i'm sorry mitchell I was just going to say, speaking of zero fanfare, I do want to shout out one Sam Mendes movie, I, which I don't I haven't seen in a while, but Away We Go is kind Away of a good we movie. Go okay. charming so as hell. I'm glad you brought it up because this ties into my theory about okay. Sam Mendes. And I think, <laughs> Here we go. I think 1917 kind of fucks it up, but but it's at least a, a long <laughs> it's a it's a long running thing, I think, that pervaded his career 
for a minute, which is Sam Mendes makes movies about the impossibility of like a functional nuclear family, right? Like a functional normal family unit, right? Because even away we go. And I remember that movie when I saw it, I haven't rewatched it. I have a, there's a part of me that feels like if I rewatched it, I'd kind of find it maybe a little grating, but I think I would feel the same way, but I have fond memories of it in my head. And I do remember thinking that like Krasinski and Rudolph and all of the supporting care, like everyone was just really, really charming. Oh, good. um, But the thing that, oh man, remember how fucking good Christmasina and Christmasina uh, and Melanie Linsky Linsky are phenomenal. Those scenes are heartbreaking. But, but anyway, this sort of thing of like, even in that movie, the most, which might feature the most functional romantic couple he'd ever put in a movie goes out of its way to tell you that they are not and never will be married right Mm -hmm. like it's so it's almost like this need to be like no 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 you just have to like live outside the confines that Mm -hmm. people want to put you in otherwise it's all going to be a disaster and like i feel like obviously with with uh jjl in this movie and uh like you know and uh, i mean American Beauty and Revolutionary Road, like tenfold, right? I mean, Connor, and- if you want to stretch it out to 1917, I mean, what is not a a, a brotherhood of soldiers if not a dysfunctional family? Mm, like, that's, what a good, you know, that's a good point. Stretched across. What is what is a marriage you know. if not just a world war? It's, <laughs> you know, it's there. You go. There you are. go. Um, there you go. But <laughs> your, your wife, your wife will listen to this, right? <laughs> <laughs> um every episode not just i love you um no but um <laughs> <laughs> i love you etc 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 change um, the cue card change the cue card <laughs> um no but i i think this movie fits nicely into that whole ethos if there is i mean not like look not that sam mendes filmography deserves some sort of like <laughs> overarching through line or something that someone's going to put through it but I think that is maybe the easiest one that presents itself. We- right? Weirdly, no Sam Mendes retrospective happening at Lincoln Center right now for, <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> but no, I think I think I think it is an interesting connection to draw that I hadn't thought of because while we were talking about Mendes more as a guy who puts together these teams and then like elevates the teams, I was kind of thinking about him at least aesthetically as not necessarily being like an auteur the way that we think of auteurs like as having a very distinctive style yeah what that's I, exactly you know, what i was maybe thinking. not like, even great because like i because he's only right. made you know i think he's made only like we've mentioned maybe like yeah two, two great movies but he is I, I i think he's sort of and maybe this is why people don't maybe this is why we don't like him when we don't like him <laughs> is that he feels like a workman director who's like masquerading as an auteur right like and i think granted i think part of that might be as much you know viewership at large's fault as a as opposed to just his fault because i i think we tend to do a thing where we want to turn everybody into an auteur we want to find i mean speaking to literally what i just did with his whole filmography right like we want (laughs) to find the we want to yeah. find the through lines and the things that makes, you know, a Sam Mendes movie, a Sam Mendes movie. And I think we wind up, you know, that's why you yeah. wind up ultimately discounting like the, 
you know, the James Grays or the James Mangolds of the world or whatever that are, uh, you know, or the uh, the Kelly Reicharts even. Not that she's a Workman director necessarily, but uh, oh, Kelly but yeah. Um, yeah. No, but I, yeah, I think, I think that it's, it's an interesting point because it is like a thing where like, so Jarhead and Revolutionary Road, if from other directors, like they're, as we both, as we've all kind of acknowledged, like both of those are decent movies at least. And if they're done by like another director, maybe they don't have this like expectation of like Mm -hmm. Jarhead and Revolutionary Road, both pitched as like awards movies, like big awards contenders. And so they feel lesser because they have this expectation of being from the guy who did American Beauty. And so they're like supposed to be these things and they're just ultimately like decent. Okay. Movies. Yeah. Like I I like the, uh, another reason why I was like, a lot of people talk about this being one of the greatest quote unquote comic book movies of all time, because it's based off a graphic novel. Right. Which I guess is technically true, which is technically true, (laughs) but like, I don't know war and you know, like points to all those people that like cleverly did that. Right. Um, But and I was just like, there's no way this movie directed by Sam freaking Mendez is as good as all these people say it is. It might. And I felt like it would be one of those things where like where we grow up and we have movies that are from the two, early 2000s or the late 90s that we all when we saw it at that time, we have massive affection for it. Sure. And others see it now and they go, what's the big goddamn deal? and like you are just using nostalgia to form your criticism you're not actually like you know using engaging with the yeah you're not using actual reasons and so for a long long time i just put it off and then of course we are doing the show it's uh, it's acting out with uh, ryan mitchell and uh great review subscribe and uh we talked about doing this and i was like okay i'm gonna finally see this and i put it on and i'm not gonna say i'm not gonna say i I cried by the end oh i did even though i did i did every time every time i the end of (laughs) but i did i i I did text my dad that i loved him yeah no it's just as you as you should as you should and he was like what do you want it's 11 (laughs) 30 you son of a bitch uh no, I, I the end of this movie is the I think that's the that's the four to five star difference for me. If I'm being entirely honest, like the way it all wraps up, it's 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 beautiful Conrad Hall photography, be- like the score in this movie at its most beautiful. Right. Yeah. Uh, is the piece that ends the film. And you have this narration that comes back, which like I think if not done pitch perfect could totally be like what the fuck ever yeah <laughs> uh but because when it starts there might there's a little bit like i always kind of- remember like when it starts i always am like oh do i hate the like kind of framing device it, of this but the, then the it comes back at the device, end and i'm like oh no it's fine the framing device is almost it's kind of like a webster's defines perdition as <laughs> like you're sort of like you know you're just sort of like <laughs> uh you're like well what if, what am i in for um and, <laughs> and what if it, there was a what if and, there was a road but, but here's the thing. what if there was a road it, it goes back to it goes back to mendez being able to i think let other people guide him let kind of maybe you know if if you're someone who saw american beauty and every element like the like the narration like whatever you're like fuck that movie <laughs> i can totally see how you start this movie and you get 
that uh like, jesus that Heckling christ narration yeah. in the beginning and you're like fuck no not again like no yeah. way like no oh no i'm gonna spacey on the table again he's gonna, he's gonna like narrate over some kids playing stickball in the middle of the street or some sort of depression era <laughs> see when we played era. we didn't play baseball we played stickball we played it with mom paul never yeah. had enough for us to <laughs> get an actual baseball and a stick so we just pulled one off the tree and started hitting things anyway this is the road to production cue the credits I i think what's great is any moment that feels like it might have that kind of element to it is devoid of it it almost and it's for the better like i i would almost believe if someone told me that the script had a ton of narration throughout it and then they were like you know what we do we're not going to cut anything we're just going to like get rid of the narration, right. but we'll leave the visuals. And so instead you have what I mentioned before, like what seemingly feels like it might be like a 60, 65 page script that is then just bolstered by these beautiful moments of montage and music and all this stuff uh, that really, that really help it. And the nice thing about it too, is that those montage moments None of the visuals and none of the more patient moments of the movie ever feel like languid mm-hmm. because there's always something happening that's like moving things forward. Nothing. That's like the thing about this movie. It's we haven't said like it's under two hours, which yeah. is surprising. Actually. Thank God. Um, and, smart. and it's yeah. it's and it's beautiful. It's like a clean hundred and ten minutes before credits, basically. And um, and it works really well. And I think there's it's part of also just to get into the tom hanks of it all i guess like it feels like him exercising uh it feels like him exercising castaway hanks which is nice because it's just a lot of it's very quiet it's very patient um i don't know i would be i think he's great in this movie that said, I almost feel like he is like fighting against it like a little. Um, because I hmm. do there there was I can't remember where I found it, but there was some some moment where I think Mendez had described casting Jude Law the way that they did because they wanted it to counter sort of the and he used the words physically imposing Tom Hanks. <laughs> I saw that same thing and I was yeah, like, Yeah, okay. Yeah, I can't I, I don't know the source right now, so forgive me, but but I had read that and I kind of was like, what though? <laughs> like that? Cause that's what I like about Hanks in this movie is that he, he's not Robert Ryan. He's not Sterling Hayden. He's not. And, and it would have been easy to, I think maybe pivot more towards an actor that, that would have, I don't know, you know, filled that out a little bit more if you were going for like the genre thing. And instead he looks like, you know, he looks like someone who would just be a heavy. Right. Like, so I think it. you get this really great, you know, to go back to the domesticity of it all, you know, part of the thing that makes this movie works is its lens. Right. Like, it's all about like, cool. What's it like a growing up in general? Right. Where you just see your parents and you kind of catch them. You know, you know, your parents is one thing, but otherwise you're sort of catching them on the other corners of their lives or their thoughts or their days or whatever. And okay, cool. Now, what if it, what, what would that be like if your dad was a gangster? Like if he was a heavy for the mob and he was, you know, whatever, he was in a Henry Hathaway movie or something. <laughs> um, and 
that in that regard, I think Hanks is perfectly cast because he just looks, he looks like someone who would be in the, you know, he uh, like, uh, oh, what's his fucking name? Great fucking character actor. He was in the Maltese Falcon. Ugh. Elisha Cook Jr. He's got like almost that. He doesn't look the same, but it's like he would have been like Michael Sullivan would have been that character in a movie. Just like yeah, the heavy he doesn't kind of. Exactly. He doesn't look like the leading man of yeah. the movie. He just looks like and that's the thing with like Hanks is that even when he is in something like Apollo 13, where he is, you know, this hero astronaut, he still just looks and feels like a regular guy. And yeah. I think he brings that to something like Rhodes Perdition, where he has this humanity to it that makes it feel like we are through the kid. We're getting that feeling of also understanding our kind of own transitions and seeing our own fathers and that, that period where they stop, like you said, stop being this mythical figure. We see him like the kid, Michael reading with the Lone Ranger and like mythologizing his own dad as being a hero. And then he has that world opened up to him where now it's like, oh, things are a little bit more complicated than that. My dad might be kind of scary, but he still has like this heart to him. He's still trying to look out for me. And it's like, yeah, I think Hanks is, it's such an interesting role for Hanks because it is obviously darker. He's playing a guy who is at his core, a cold-blooded murderer, or I guess not at his core, but on the surface of cold-blooded murderer. Like that's just a fact about him, but He's still because it's Hanks, he makes him human, and that's such a crucial part of the movie. It's a yeah, and it's it's an interesting like distinction between like he's almost like he's almost seems like someone who's been rendered sociopathic by work and life yeah. and all that. And haven't and, haven't we all? But 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 in a yeah, I mean, I honestly, I mean, you say that sort of <laughs> maybe half jokingly, but like earnestly, like half half jokingly, even half serious, e- yeah. even in a you know, in the world we live in now, where like terrible things are thrown at us every day that we read about, like every once in a while, you throw your hands up, you're like, I don't fucking care, like yeah. you're just like, I don't, none of, the, I don't care about any of this, like whatever, and I feel like that's the kind of like weird sociopathy that Hanks kind of has here, just like tired he's got huge tired dad energy yeah (laughs) yeah i think whereas like uh craig is like a is like a scary (laughs) sociopath where you're like oh i didn't love my child enough and now he hurts animals kind (laughs) of sociopath yeah the thing that i like or one of the many things i like about hanks in the movie and kind of the portrayal of adult Michael is that the opening of it and the opening sections where we feel that distance from him, he does kind of seem like he's a guy who's just kind of checked out and he's not, he's not giving like his family what they need. He's not giving his sons like the attention and love that they need. Even in his job, he just seems like he's kind of going through the motions and this horrible, horrible thing happens. And it feels like that kind of wakes him up to being like, I have this kid. I have to look out for this kid. Like, these are the things that are important to me. Also, I want fucking revenge. Right. And like, but yeah, <laughs> it, it feels like it wakes him out of this kind of slumber that he's been in, which may come from being a guy who was brought into this world almost by happenstance because he didn't have anywhere else to go. And Paul Newman's character brings him in. So he's he's not even like really volunteering to come up in this world. It's just how he's come up. And yeah, I like that idea of him being pulled out of it because of this tragedy that happens and then he has to look out for the one thing that he kind of has left while also wanting to make sure that the kid that he does have left doesn't get into the same life that he gets into like i i rewatched the godfather like a week ago and i couldn't what is that? stop the um it's a movie 
the the god you know what connor you haven't seen it it's great they explain it all on the offer. It's on Paramount Plus. Oh, okay, indeed. Yeah, yeah. I'll be sure to watch. Good bit. Yeah, good. Watch that. Very You'll good figure bit. out what it Very is. Very good it's bit. Great. Very good bit. <laughs> um, but yeah, watching watching this like right after The Godfather was kind of interesting because The Godfather. So much of that is, at least, especially the first movie, is about Vito recognizing and Michael having one son who can get out of that life and have a life that is not you know in the family and in crime and everything. And Michael is at least at first trying to not get involved with that and, you know, being a little bit separated from it. And he gets slowly pulled in more and more. And he realizes that he's really good at, you know, being a mobster and being the head of this family. And he's kind of ultimately the only one who can do it because everything else is falling apart. But Vito, we get the scene where Michael makes his first assassination. He makes his first kills. And when Vito finds out that Michael did it, he's like absolutely crushed because yeah, he does have like, you're right. Hanks does have kind of like Vito Corleone. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So like Road to Perdition is almost a similar thing where it works out a little bit better for the son because he is at least by the end of it, as far as we're to assume is able to not like, he doesn't, he's not the one who pulls the trigger on Jude law. Hanks no, it's, does yeah, it it's for like, him. It's like very, it's like a very crucial. And it's, I, what I love about this movie too, is the level of like allowances. Hanks is able to make for Michael jr. Because of how he perceives his son. And there's that great scene later when they're at the farmhouse after he's been shot and he's kind of recuperating and there's that amazing scene where they just have and it's like it's so great because it's like not overly sentimental and it's like the rest of their relationship it's like all the things that aren't said in that scene that you're just like oh like it just (laughs) it's so good and it's so matter of fact it doesn't get overly emotional in any capacity but basically the scene is for those listening, uh, they've just, you know, they've just gotten away uh, from a sort of a shootout with Jude Law, which is a great little scene too. Fantastic. But, uh, but on, on the way out, basically Michael Jr.'s driving the car and Michael Sr. gets shot. And then, you know, they kind of realizes he's like on death's door. So Michael Jr. drives them to this, uh, to this farmhouse and, uh, and they're recuperating. And so Michael, while Michael senior is like up late going through some, some books basically for uh, like the, you know, Capone's books, basically. Yeah. He's trying to, he's uh, trying, well, it's technically, it's not even Capone's it's, it's, it's Rooney's. New, it's it, yeah. It's, 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 books, it's yeah. um, Newman's and, and subsequently that's where he finds out about Craig taking on the money and everything, right. which, which, the one thing I will say about this movie, and I'm sorry to cut you off, Carl. Uh-huh. One thing about this movie that I sat there and I went, okay, come on. Tom Hanks has got to be a little bit smarter than this. <laughs> Literally says it in there before everyone gets shot, before Craig shoots Karen Hines and everything. You wouldn't think maybe just to, I don't know, right. ask a follow up question or two. You like, know, hey, why did you shoot? Why did he shoot him so quick? <laughs> like, I thought- ask a follow up question of, because and that's actually an interesting point. Because you'd think, you'd think that after Daniel Craig shoots Karen Hines because he's about to spill the goods that he's been stealing from his dad, you'd think that maybe Hanks would go to John. Yeah, yeah like, go to Newman. Yeah. And Look, be like, this is a thing that ha- can you just tell me why this happened? 
but it and you, also and maybe because you know, John is the one who tells him anyway. Yeah, and he so, didn't care. Yeah, which is great. I yeah, think. that's it's because it's, uh, it's just like him. it's fucking Paul Newman being like fucking kids. Am I right? Like he's yeah. just like, <laughs> he's like we're just really well. Also, too, it goes back to what you were saying too, Mitchell, about him being shut off. Like you would think about at, he's such a smart man. He's so sure, revered and everything. Yeah, 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 but he's very he's very much like oh, okay, cool. We're done. And then they see the kid. So it's quick, right? Yeah. And they see Michael and they go, oh, shit. You know what I mean? And the, that whole thing. He kind of robocops a little bit. He, <laughs> he like, does. The switch, the switch flips. Right? I will oh. kill for you, you know? Yeah. And yeah, which is it's crazy when he has, you know, when he goes self-destructed at the end. But anyway. <laughs> spoilers, uh, but, for, but, Robo. <laughs> spoilers <laughs> for Robocop. Uh, but no, I, I agree because like with everything that you guys really have said about the fact that as I was watching it, Mitchell, I did think of the Godfather, which is kind of hard not to, which is the quintessential gangster movie with, you know, father and son elements and everything that's going with that. Particularly um, period. Get, like, it's, yeah. It's, I mean, like I thought about all that. I thought about like, even like a movie like the untouchables. Cause it's like, you know, it's, it's Capone and then that era as well. And, and to Palman, what he's doing, but like it felt so stripped back. I thought at times it also felt like instead of taking the long convoluted ways of doing it, it didn't feel like they really went crazy. And it just really, you, you both are right. in in the sense that, you know, he is a bad father because of the fact that he is so possessed by and under the spell of, I think of Paul Newman and this business and everything that he doesn't see everything that's going on. He doesn't question it. And that's why he's kind of almost shocked that he's, you know, he's kind of easily being able to buy Daniel Craig, just get the wool pull over his eyes, right. And get tricked into almost getting killed. Then subsequently not being able to protect his family when he's supposed to be the muscle of an entire crime family. And he can't even protect his own wife and kid. So this is the only thing that he has left is to really protect and doesn't even like really know his kids. So when you're talking about that scene at the table, Connor, when they're sort of trying to relate to one another in downtime between Mike senior and Mike junior, that's why it feels so beautiful and so tender when they embrace, Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel forced this emotion, but it's so cagey is the other thing. Like it's not even, it's not a full on hug. It's not, he kind of just like, they have that whole thing where he's like, hey, like, did you love my dead brother more than me? And Hanks gives the pat parent answer of like, I loved you both the same. And you get you totally get the idea. He's like probably lying. And then but by as like the conversation like rolls out a little bit, he's like, look, like he was really sweet and you just weren't because you're it's, like me yeah. and I'm not sweet. It's like, a really like cutting moment. It's and it's, and it's, it's a cutting moment of like honesty. Yeah, right? no, it's they, he's it 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 dovetails all with the thing of like that you know one of the main things in any moment of kind of coming of age is just when your parents become people and he's not talking to his dad like his dad anymore and Tom Hanks isn't talking to him like he's his son. They're just like talking like people and he's like, look, like let me just I'm gonna be matter of fact. Yeah, maybe. He doesn't say he loved him less, but I feel like there's like an implication there where he's like, look, like, yeah, I don't know. He was just a sweet kid and you're not a sweet kid. You suck, but I suck. And so, <laughs> eh, 
you know, like, and I do love that, like, just thematically, the only reason, the only reason that Michael Jr. is alive yeah, is because he was in detention, like, for being <laughs> shitty, for, like, getting in a fight. He's also, right? the only reason he's alive is because of glass and darkness. Well, and sure. Well, and, and because Daniel Craig couldn't tell the difference between the two kids. Yeah. No, which actually, that's it. No, no, no. It's no, no. Yeah. That's like a that's like a thing that the movie tees up twice. It's really, that is, yeah, it's yeah. Really it's wonderful because kind of there's the the scene at the wake in the beginning where Paul Newman sees the kids and he's like, "Which one of you is Peter?" Mm-hmm. And like he can't tell them apart. And then fucking Craig can't tell them apart because later at the party, Michael walks into the room and there's that beautiful fucking shot of daniel craig smoking in the dark oh. and uh craig is uh, we get uh, craig is so good in this i think newman play. sort of i think newman sort of playing around with them there and knows which one but i think craig definitely doesn't know right and that's but the it's this- that's the difference between the two of them is that this this head of this family knows all What's the up? details yeah, including yeah, his yeah. muscles kids as opposed to the person that is going to take over who doesn't know shit from a shingle you know what i mean and so it's it and and it's such a great performance i love craig staring at newman and hanks as they are playing that piano just lingers it's so the original script had them doing a jig (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I read that. I, I can't. I just can't. I can't. I can't overstate what I a think fucking monumental that, change that was. That scene is so great because it. I don't know. Kind of want to see it. Now. To I think kind of what Connor was mentioned earlier about how in like a different version of this movie, there's probably narration over the entire thing, and I think that that moment of Newman and Hanks playing the piano together, like that's a moment where you could very easily see young Michael like narrating, like, you know. Um, Daniel Craig's character, you know, he he was what's his name, Connor, right? He yeah, like yeah. he he didn't like seeing this, like he was always jealous right. of the relationship between my right. dad and you know Mr. Rooney, blah blah blah. But like we we see it we see it communicated through us through visual language and everything. And the thing with Craig mistaking the two kids, and then we see him at the house murder the wrong son and Jennifer Jason Lee. Like we don't need it communicated to us that he thinks that he killed. The right kid there yeah. because we got those two things dropped in earlier the wrong so it's just trusting the audience died. the wrong kid well <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no i mean like too also that that sentimental hug that we talked about connor i could easily been and that was the last time yeah no, my right, right right right, right yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. fuck you or even like no. a bigger even a bigger hug his dad yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, I the love music you, you know i love you. And granted, it's not that this movie isn't saccharine no, it is. It is. Sure. It's just yeah. that it knows exactly when to employ. And it's a case in point with the ending narration, like that whole just the call back to the first line. And then like they ask if he was a good man or yeah. if there was no good. I involved. say he was my I, father. I say he was my father. And then cue fucking Thomas Newman fucking just swinging for the fences. I'm going to cry every time. Yeah. Like, I don't know what to do. But like, it's earned. He was your it's, so, yeah, it's, it's so earned. It's it was so, all of our fault. It's so earned. And uh, and I think, I think the... Um, <laughs> well, and that's here's the other thing. The casting is important. Casting of Hanks. Because Tom Hanks yeah. is all of our fucking dad. yeah. Dads, so. And he hadn't played uh, dad that didn't give a shit about his kids. 
afraid. Like he's a bad. He's a bad. He's a bad. He's a bad, dad. He's a bad, bad dad. father. Now I understand what Chet has been talking about. Um, you know. Wait, I wanted. You to, know what's I, funny? And Chet, there's a quote from Chet when this movie came out, saying that this was the his favorite of his dad's roles. And he mentioned it because he's like, oh, you know, you just see him in so other movies. And it's like, oh, that's my dad being Tom Hanks movie, Tom Hanks. And in this one, it felt like a little more real. It's like basically- <laughs> I, I, I wrote that down. So I was it's literally bring that like yeah. this. This movie is like, what if Colin died and then Tom <laughs> had to go on the road with Chet? <laughs> And, and he and he uh, would say, "Your brother was always the sweet one, and you, I, I did not like you as much." Right, right. And you right. have my name, and I regret it every day. <laughs> <laughs> um, but oh my god, it is. It's yeah, it's, it is it's, so it's, chat. It's, it's the Tom and Chat story. Um, I also we haven't talked about Newman too much. Um, but uh, he rules, obviously. It's a good, good actor. Con- controversial. <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty this movie made me so sad because what, because he's dead, or yeah, yeah. Sure. I just found out. I mean, yeah. I Weirdly, this movie it. made me kind of happy that he's dead. I don't yeah, know what's going on with me. But... All... <laughs> uh, no, it's because I have been privy to see at least the first episode of the Ethan Hawke. Documentary oh, right, 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 right. about yeah, yeah. about Paul Newman and, and Joanne Woodward that he's yeah. that he's slowly finishing. Son of a bitch! Um, it's like please, because so I did an interview with them and I'd like to release it uh, while it was still relevant. But anyway, um, watching that documentary, just the first hour of it, hour one hour of six, I just sat there and I went, "Fuck, I miss him." Like, oh, I yeah. you know, I, it's like when I see Redford, like when I saw Redford and. Old man in the shoe. Uh, old man in the shoe. Old, oh, man. <laughs> old man in the gun. Old man in the shoe. Uh, directed by David Lowry. Good lord, it's I'm tired. Anyway, uh, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, old man in the shoe. It's an epic, epic fail on my part. Anyway, be, that's that's my favorite episode of our upcoming Redford series. Is the old man, the old man in the shoe episode? <laughs> yeah, sure. Looking forward to that one. Well, <laughs> I don't know how um. I fixed myself from that. No, but like watching that whole hour i was i was a mess watching that and and i hadn't seen this and obviously this is just like last big screen revered right i mean because he does he does last on-screen appearance his last like uh, his last uh, because he did he does cars and he does empire falls on television so he right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, at least that was his last feature film yeah yeah and i mean (laughs) it's it's such a good damn performance for him Hell of a way it, to go out. it uses that charisma of his mm-hmm. to play it in such a CD underbelly. You also get what I love about a movie that I might pick later for. Well, I'm not going to pick it now. Now I just spoiled that. But not, but like the verdict in the internal pain yeah. that he has because of what Connor does to him. I mean, it is te- it's tearing him apart. And also too, you know, there's that's my, one of my favorite moments of this film that made me audibly just smile. And it's not a moment where you really need to smile. It's when he goes into the church, he sits down in the pew mm-hmm. and Hanks has got his head down and he pulls it up and he just knows. And he just, he just knows that it's him. And it's almost like a relief of like, I've missed you. Like, because of yeah. the fact that it is, that is the son he never I mean, had. And when he says yeah. that line about, you know, 
and you know i'm glad it was you yeah i'm like fuck me dude it's so oh good it's so good that we don't deserve this performance no we don't really really it's i mean great it's one of those things like you know you go back and uh, as i don't know when this is airing but as of this recording i've seen a lot of like uh michael kane cider house stuff making the rounds because people were talking about oh boy how cruz should have won for magnolia right sure sure and, sure and yada 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 and um and i i got thinking about that with this just because it's you know that it's that thing the elder statesman oscar right. nomination kind of thing and i think people maybe thought that at the time too a little like they were probably like oh yeah newman doing a great job you know doing well, a the- good doing a good enough job uh you know in this in this movie mm-hmm. or whatever but when you actually watch it you're like no i don't know this might be like one of one of his paul best. newman's 10 best pre- and we're talking about someone who has one of the greatest batting averages in terms of like good performances even in bad movies yep. in in cinema history like it's easily one of his best and it's for shit like that it's those fucking baby blues man like yeah and it, which is part of the reason why Craig is obviously such great casting. Those eyes. Like, yeah, dude. It just, he did. There's so perfect. much going on. Oh man. And I'm even a- their, their relationship, uh, Newman's and uh, Craig's right. It's reminiscent of that same mentality that kind of that, that Michael senior spills the beans on, which is that like, it's as if Michael senior is Paul Newman's Peter. Right. Like yeah. he's kind of the sweet one, the nice one. Right. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. And, and and not that he's I mean, like we've said, he's a sociopath, but you get the idea. He's, <laughs> he's a softer, gentler, nicer man, you know, yeah. and and you realize that pr- he probably fucking hates Daniel Craig because Daniel Craig is his guy. Like he just reminds him. Yeah, exactly of who he is. Right. And. Yeah. um, And I think. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that's huge to it. And what uh, the other thing I love about sort of Craig's response to that almost throughout the movie is that he he I mean, he has that great line where he's like, it's also fucking hysterical. Right. Perfect uh, line. And genius, it's genius line. Yeah. And um, because he just sees the bullshit. Right. Which yeah. is why he's not necessarily as good at that at 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 that job as his dad is. But it's but you almost can't fault him for it. It's like, yeah, I don't know. He just knows that it's all dumb. Like, it's not yeah. like these are all children with guns and shit. Like, yeah. Um, but there, the, but then there's that the fact that he doesn't, he he can see through the bullshit, but he doesn't understand the severity of it. Yeah, yeah. And doesn't and he, understand and he can't it. Escape and because I mean, he was born. That scene at the, into the, exactly. I mean, the scene of the dining room table. Yeah. Is so bone chilling when he's like trying to when he's just slams his paul newman ever looked at me like that and slammed on a table i'd be out i'm sorry i'd be gone i'd be like you know what i'm dead my career is over like that man that i love just yelled his guts out at me wonder how many takes it took but then like it's not even it's not even the yelling that is really what is profound and what happens after it it's the fact that in the background we see hanks and newman walk upstairs like it's it almost feels like godfather-esque mm, sure, like at yeah. the end of the godfather where you know the the door closes and you see diane keaton's face and it's just and that's how the movie ends yeah, like yeah. this movie could have literally the summation of this movie is those two walking in the background and in the foreground is craig just numb 
by this whole situation, feeling cold and angry and frustrated and, and everything in doing, I think a lot of these acts to just try to get his father's attention. Almost. It feels like, because then when his, when he, when he goes and when Hanks meets with Tucci Mm -hmm. and then in the other room is, is, is Paul Newman and Craig walks in there and it's like, he's downstairs you can go shoot him and he just kind of just like yells at him i think he, beats he doesn't him. he beats, he beats yeah, the he beats shit out of him and he goes <laughs> the hell's wrong with you? but then he embraces him because it's just like it's it's i hate i mean it's exactly this. it's exactly what connor was saying yeah. you know that idea of like and i think that's what newman plays so well what the movie plays so well is the simple idea but mm. that that push and pull between like obviously i like for newman obviously i like tom hanks better like he is the better person i i that's what he's told him more but (laughs) this is my fucking kid he's a fuck up but he's still my kid so like i have to assign people to murder you because like it's just what i have to do and it's like my code and i have to stick with it and i fucking hate it but it's what i have to do i weirdly was what when i watched this film and that scene came up where he slaps him and then he hugs him. There was another movie that I thought about, and it came out last year, and it has sort of the same sentiment, totally different in terms of enjoyment factors. But I just remember sitting there going, okay, that's what that movie was trying to do, what this movie's doing, which is House of Gucci. And if you've seen House of Gucci, there's a moment where, but I know exactly where Leto screws up yet again. And Pacino just yells at the top of his lungs, so pissed off. But he says, like, you're an idiot, but you're my idiot. Yeah, you know? sure. Right. And so that's exactly what this scene gets that, you know, that movie just clearly piece of shit. Um, but like, but this movie is is like it understands that because it's connecting it through all the characters as opposed to these two dum-dums in that Scott movie. <laughs> and um but then like i gotta say we haven't even mentioned jude law uh, oh, we man. mentioned him a little yeah. bit but not as much i just i do want to talk about jude i mean he like, was see this was almost also like jude law popping off in literally every oh, movie he possibly this is could, that chris so. rock joke at the at the oscars sort of yeah. like well that was like, a couple jude years law. after that yeah, yeah but it's yeah, but yeah. it's like that feeling of like he's this he's is like everything. Result, this is the result of that this is yeah. <laughs> is this not this is also is this not the cold mountain year this is no. the year before Cole Mallon. Yeah, it's the year it's the year after AI artificial intelligence, which I think is really interesting because I think AI is a movie that uses his God, like this natural movie came out in mid summer. Yeah. Well that it's I mean that's Samar. the thing too, is yeah. that it was supposed to come out it was supposed to come out on like Christmas 2001, but Mendez like told DreamWorks, like, I need more time to work on it. And they just let him have more time. So then it dropped in summer 2002, Damn. which is fascinating. Imagine just being like, guys, I need time and a studio giving it to you. Yeah. I imagine. Imagine going to see Road to Perdition in the middle of the July. No, that's what I'm fucking thinking about. Sounds like some dream work, if you ask me. Very well, very well. Um, No, Law, (laughs) the Jude Law is great in this movie. Um, It's nice that it lets him be scuzzy. I think that's one of its. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say is like, 
AI the year before, I think, uses his. I mean, he's such like a handsome guy. Like, yeah, he's a sexy, AI sexy. Yeah, you fuck that. that. Every, anybody fuck that robot. I'd fuck AI that robot. takes him and is like, this is like the most now. attractive man in the yeah. world. And to be clear, just, just to be clear, he played the bear in AI, right? That's who we're talking about. <laughs> we don't fuck that bear, right? <laughs> you you kind of have to, right? If you have it, you just kind of have that great to. Kind of just dive like, right in. Hello. Hello. Okay. <laughs> My name is Jude Law. Um, <laughs> what a cute bear, though. Um, but yeah, like... He, Adorable bear. They literally make him a, like a sex robot in AI, artificial intelligence. And in this movie, they go... The total opposite, where they make him as nasty as possible. Mendez said that they wanted to make him rodent-like, yeah, and like they yeah. they gave him so much like makeup and prosthetic to the point where Law was like so, uh, like upset and disgusted with the way that he looked that when they weren't shooting, he was like wearing like hats and like covering himself up on. I mean, yeah. let's, let's be honest here though, that is his actual head of hair in this, movie, <laughs> and that's why Jude Law was so upset. By it. Like. <laughs> He, they were like, Dude, they were like, take, fully, the plug, take the plugs out for yeah, this fully one. balding, <laughs> like yeah, just just a shell of himself. But it is. I mean, it's, it's a, have no, I agree with you. I agree with you, Mitchell, because of the fact that like it is as much as we talk about Hanks playing against type here. This is law playing against type because you mentioned AI. But the year before that, he's he's in the talented Mr. Ripley two years before that, or two right. years before that. And he's and when is Alfie? Uh, Alfie's 04. Alfie's okay. 04. Right. But so he, like, but he he's bounced, playing. He, back. he like, plays yeah, a lot he of. He plays a lot of sex icons. I mean, he's yeah. Dumbledore, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, he's Dumbledore. The, the biggest sex icon there is. The 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 secrets. He does. Yeah. I will. I haven't seen the movie. He does look great with that. Don't movie. let me. Don't let me but tell you about the look, secrets. He looks. He looks so good. In it. Look, looks let me very, tell you. Very handsome fellow. I that movie is not as bad as people say, and it's mostly because like. I mean, you have Mads Mikkelsen and Jude Law looking at each other a couple of times in that movie. It's right. Like, that's that's enough. You have two that's daddies enough, just just that's going enough for work. one star on Letterboxd at, le- at least yeah. for me. Um, get you a star. I get you a star. But yeah, I think Law's the character is really interesting too because it's the one character that wasn't in the graphic novel. It's like the one character that they invented for the movie to give it that kind of narrative propulsion of always feeling like there is somebody on you know, the Sullivan's like tracking them, which I think speaks to what Connor was talking about earlier, that it's it, the movie feels like it's always moving. It never yeah. feels like. No, no, no. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. No, no, you go ahead. I was, no, no, I was just going to say we mentioned this. Uh, we mentioned this off mic just before we started, but there is even there's a deleted scene. Right. Um, and go. I was trying to figure out <laughs> exactly. So I don't know if we've like explicitly laid it out, but basically because they won't turn over Connor Rooney to get murdered by Tom Hanks for his revenge. He basically, and by they, I mean like the Capone crime syndicate, right? Yeah. Uh, they, Tom Hanks and uh, Tyler Hecklin go on the road. I believe it's Heckner. Oh, heck. No, wait, hang on. Hecklin. I, I, I was, I was fucking with oh, you. I was God fucking with you. No, now you're just fucking down <laughs> spiraling out of control. Um, no. Hexanon. So the two, yeah. <laughs> the two of them go on the the road and there's this great montage where he learns how to drive, which is cute and, and great. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're Robin Banks and they're, you know, they're Bonnie and Clyding uh, or whatever for, for like a minute. Hanks is also impotent. Is a big yeah, part no, of he's movie. like, I can't d- confess this to his son. He's like, I, you can't make I can't, me get I it up. Get I don't know. Up. I don't know why. <laughs> um, Jesus Christ. Um, so <laughs> 
Thanks, Dad. Oh. That's not so, a clutch. I mean, we, we've all had that moment where our yeah. dad. Yeah, he is trying to teach him how to drive clutch. You know what I mean? So how to drive stick. She's got to shift that stick. Um, <laughs> so anyway, please rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, no, um, so, <laughs> no. So so they're they're on the road, whatever, and to to predict to predish. Yeah. Um, and. Basically, they come across uh, McGuire, who is uh, who is Jude Law, Mr. Law, and he's been sent by Chicago to kill uh, to kill Tom Hanks. Well, actually, to uh, no, specifically Tom Hanks, because Paul Newman makes the point that he wants him to spare the kid. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't want to kill the kid. Well, Although you get the idea that Law is going to kill the kid. No oh, it's going to kill the kid. Like yeah. he, he doesn't give a shit. He's he a psychopath. Care. Yeah, he yeah. doesn't care. Um, he draws anyway, that frown upside down. Indeed. Um, but anyway, so in in sort of as Mitchell mentioned, kind of law pursuing them, they sort of cross paths a couple times, then they get away. And uh, he, at one point in a deleted scene, reports back to none other than Al Capone, mm. who, as you mentioned, Ryan, is sort of he's like the Rebecca of this movie. He's kind of yeah mentioned he goes uh, to mandalay but, but you <laughs> and... <laughs> uh but but you never see him which i like and i think is a that's great smart i think yeah. it's a great decision because that's another lingering factor yeah that is it, in this whole chase but it's, it's a step up in the rung of the theme of you never really know what your parents are doing right like you're sort yeah. of like it's like you're sort of looking at this movie through like a series of lenses that are ever expanding your scope and you never yeah it's also never... yeah it's also mendes basically also not going full on i think because of uh, having that scene in there yeah. is like Defeases the purpose of him wanting to do something smaller. No, right. It's you know? it, it becomes something more akin to the Untouchables, and then he's already lost basically yeah. at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I agree. And Anthony LaPaglia uh, plays Mr. Capone. He plays Pizza the Hut. He does play Pizza the Hut. Uh, no, he doesn't play Pizza the Hut. He plays the fucking robot gangster <laughs> guy that is eating Pizza the Hut. Um, there's a moment where he licks Jude Law and he's like, you are delicious. Um, no, I, I think the LaPaglia scene is is fun. It's just not like any OK deleted scene. You just go, oh, yeah, but like it's not in this it movie. Makes like, it makes sense doesn't, why yeah. it was deleted. Yeah. And it's interesting, yeah. too, that they wa- Mendez wanted Alfred Molina to do the part to be Capone. And then Molina only couldn't because he was busy with uh, Frida at the time. And so that's Man. what led to La Paglia doing it. But Molina, I mean, Molina would have been a blast, too, I think. Yeah, well, I think it, if but... it's and I actually not to I'm not trying to besmirch La Paglia, but like if it's Molina, the scene might stay. In oh, the yeah. Movie, which is oh, which yeah. is a bullet dodge. Like, I think it's good. Yeah, it's, it's I, better I, that it's, it's out of the movie. Very. But if song. but if he also would have included a line. So you mean to tell me <laughs> that you were on the road to perdition and you didn't catch them? <laughs> Would have stayed you know, in. There would, there would have been a line where he would have looked at Jude Law and he'd be like, Jude Law, brilliant but lazy. Um, <laughs> I got to say that scene in the diner is incredible. Great. Great. By the way, I love when movies have roadside diners. Roadside diners. Yeah. Roadside. Fuck yeah. I miss roadside, roadside diners. diners. Yeah. Agreed. Also, man. because I was sitting there and I was watching the film, I'm like, and I'm thinking in this uh, 2020 brain. Going on, mm-hmm. I was thinking to myself, like, 
well, does it have a bathroom? And I was like, oh, it does have a bathroom. Okay, this place is awesome. At the very end, yeah. yeah. And then I started thinking, this place like, is awesome. How do they get there? How do they get like their? I was like, how many like days do they get the? Do they get their produce to come in like every day? Like how how far is the shipping cost? Like <laughs> I was thinking a you're lot about this diner. You're creating a whole fucking restaurant. I know. I'm like, what is <laughs> what is their tax situation? I gotta get those papers over to Mitchell. Well, I, I a, do do their tax. Yeah, I yeah. So there's a whole there's a fucking Guy Fieri episode where. He fucking goes to that diner. He's like, well, I hear you got the honey fried chicken. So what, tell me what goes in that. Okay. What, you could fry taste? this and eat it on a flip flop and with some doggy sauce and it'll taste even better. <laughs> now, the only way to get out of this joint is through the front door and in the bathroom. Let's try the bathroom. Takes a, takes a bite. He goes, that's going to send me to perdition right there. That's a bomb. <laughs> good job. Yeah. All right. It's job, a perdition. Best served warm. Oh. Uh, <laughs> And we'll get to perdition on diners, <laughs> drive-ins, and dives. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> road, road to Flavor Town. Um, so, <laughs> oh, good, good movie. Uh, anyway. uh, good movie. Road to Flavor. Okay, good movie. Oh my god! Talk about that best oh. picture chance. I'll tell you that. Uh, oh. no, no, but it's, it's, I can't take anything serious now after that. Uh, no, but I just, I love it. Cause it's, it's, you're right, Connor and Mitchell. I think you brought this up too. Is, is, is that is <laughs> them up Thumbs for up. our listeners? I like, I like when I get mentioned that's yeah. being right. Mitchell's correct. Mitchell, you made a great point earlier about, um, <laughs> everything that you were saying. Uh, but no, it's, it's that. <laughs> they tried to play Jude Law as this um, towering figure over Tom Hanks, right? That, that's what they tried to build that. But as it turns of body types, and no, but in right. terms of mind, absolutely. Right. Turns yeah. of menace, absolutely. Yeah. Like you just feel at any point like they're gonna kill one another. It's it yeah. is it's so well and it, crafted and it's so smart and it too because to not have that scene. Because the best part of it is that you're never checking in on Jude Law. No, you never know where he's going to be. Yeah, that's what's beautiful about it. And that's what makes the ending so great is like he's almost an afterthought because he's bleeding. Last time you saw him, he's bleeding out on the ground. Yeah. And then you see him and he's fucking terrifying to look at. And he's also like red dragon hannibal lecter-esque yeah they like they like of, turn him you know. into a, it's a comic book villain origin story almost yeah, or yeah, something. yeah, yeah turn yeah, him yeah. the goddamn joker or the yeah, riddler right, you know, right in the reeves movie you know i mean he's taking yeah. photos of people and he's probably the most likely the one killing them or getting them all the way there well there is that great his in his introduction <laughs> his intro there's great, the guy that's like still alive intro. and rather his head kind of moves the cops over into the room and be like hey this guy's still alive he's like Oh no no no! You need to be dead. You need to. Yeah, I, it's I gonna need, make I need the picks. Yeah I, yeah. I You're gonna love the way you look. This movie guarantee. does a, this movie does a few things that I think again I think maybe people who don't like it as much I could understand why they wouldn't. Uh, is in that some of the framing and I I bring this up because in the Jude Law intro there are like one or two shots that are exactly like this. You can tell that between conrad hall and sam mendez they're like well there's no reason for him to be there but like we need him to be there because it right. looks fucking good as hell right so like <laughs> literally the first shot of jude law is like walking under a train trestle 
And you're like, why is he do like, (laughs) yeah, like I did something like that when I was 25 and like thought I was cool. Like, I don't know, you know, or whatever. Like, you know what I like? It's this thing of like, he's walking perfectly symmetrically underneath the train trestle or whatever. It's like, wouldn't you just walk to this building? Like, I don't know. Like a normal person. (laughs) Yeah, but this is the guy that shot a, a floating you know plastic bag in the wind so no, no, no. it's kind of you know that's what i'm saying i think there's a little <laughs> bit of that carrying over that i think if you're not willing to just let Conrad you can roll your halt, eyes a little yeah, yeah you're yeah. like and okay I, sam you yeah, know and i i think that mcguire intro has a few shots that are like exactly like that yeah. that you're like it's like a little too for something that's like a gangster period film there's something a little too like Hermetic, hermetically yeah. sealed about all of it yeah, that or... said when you think about the edward hopper reference yeah that's where i'm like yeah well then fuck it they can do whatever they want because like it's it's part of it is all about like what is the most beautiful version of this composition that we can put on the screen yeah and 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 kind of let it wash yeah. over you because he's a and, meti- they, and they fucking find it they find it every time yeah and he's also a meticulous person when it comes to these photos and things and you've seen it so it's just like of course you you know maybe he would walk this way or set things up perfectly so that he could have his his one right. perfect shot which you can follow on twitter uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> or i guess watch on HBO Max now, <laughs> yeah. all of our favorite one perfect shot from crazy rich asians <laughs> That famously well shot movie with all of the the famous shots that we that, all that show, and love. That show is so fucking disappointing. An actual question though, on topic. Okay. What is the best shot in this whole movie? If you had to pick one. I for, I mean, I it's probably obvious, but yeah, the Ryan's background right now is from the, the shootout in the rain. And I think right, that yeah. it's it's yeah, something from there. Connor, do you have a different pick that wouldn't be from that scene? I I would agree. I think just on a technical level with everything involved because it's real right you know it's fucking tons of water and yeah it's so perfectly Thirsty. staged um, and it, it, it plays so well too because you know we mentioned the i'm glad it was you scene uh the, the i'm glad it was you line um that newman gives to hanks when hanks approaches him and you know gives him the final shot but the the way that they construct that whole scene where it's a scene where we don't hear any sound it's just Newman's score playing oh, over so smart. the gunshots other than that it's complete silence we're not hearing the gunshots Hanks is this sh- figure in the shadows and we're just seeing like <clears throat> the muzzle flash as these it's, guys are getting laid out almost it, like um like a ballet or something yeah. like it's, yeah. it's really and the only time you ultimately hear the gunshot is the gunshot that kills yeah exactly it's also bring the sound back for Newman's line and then yeah. him getting shot it's yeah. it's so so genius yeah. Yeah. I think it's also the one scene in the movie that um, it it does feel like because there's a moment in the movie where Maguire, I think it's right when Maguire gets the phone call uh, after his little intro montage or whatever. And he says, oh, I've never met him, but I know his work. So you're like, oh, is like Michael Sullivan, like, right. In- infamous. And it did make me think and not I, I don't want this in the movie. But I do think maybe a lesser movie would have this and maybe on its own, it would be a cool little thing, but it, it wouldn't serve this movie. But you, it is almost surprising that there is no just one scene near the beginning of the movie of Michael being 
perfect at his job. Right, 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 right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like that. That's a little weird. But but th- the reason I say that is because I feel like this scene feels a little bit like a version of that, where you're like, oh, he like probably wouldn't have murdered him if it wasn't pouring rain. Like you know what I mean? Like you right. almost get yeah, the yeah, idea yeah. that like. I'm going to stand back here because there are no street lights and like Mm -hmm. it's raining. So they're not going to be able to hear me coming. Like, yeah, all this stuff. Like there's, there are elements to it that again, the scene itself does nothing to outwardly convey. Cause like you said, it's, it's very balletic in the way it it unfolds. Um, But it is, I, I think on its face, just even kind of a fascinating way of like, Oh yeah, this dude just seems like he's really fucking good at killing people. I don't like, you know, I don't know. Uh, and so it makes it work really well. Yeah. That said, if I wasn't to choose this sequence as the best shot in the movie, I think the scene in which um, I mean, I mentioned the very Edward Hopper-esque moment where he comes back right, 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 from, yeah. from this scene that we're talking about. That one's very good. But the one where he kills Daniel Craig um, yeah. no. is and I could be wrong. Is this the only time we get like Sam Mendez tracking shot camera type shit when he kills both Roonies? Well, I mean, 19. No, no, no. I mean, oh. I mean, and, and this, in, oh, this in the movie. film. Oh, in the film. Oh, okay. Yeah, like, I was like, because oh, it happens in, it happens in this, excuse me. Yeah. It happens in the scene in the rain. And then it, uh, immediately after there's the scene in the hotel where he walks down the hall into the room, through the room, to the bathroom, opens the door. Is there like and- the the tracking shot of like, like when they're at the when it's all the people reading the newspapers and everything at the at that place? Or is that one or? I don't know when they like where when, he, when, when, when he sits his son down before he goes to speak to Tucci. Like there's that yeah home. yeah right when they first get to kind Chicago. of a mini one there. It's not yeah. like a full on one, but but know. it is very yeah, much yeah. like it's both of these these sequences these murder sequences are are definitely like you're like oh yeah okay like so he yeah. likes these things like yeah. so right, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's he winking likes, yeah he like likes doing this so that whole sequence i love i love visually obviously but i also love the no nonsense of the daniel craig death scene yeah. like he goes in and again like a lesser movie or a lesser confident script or a filmmaker or whatever would be like oh he's got to say something or he's got right whatever. yeah and he just says nothing he just opens the door like two in the head he's dead kind of thing yeah and then yeah and then he walks out and it's beautiful um and i think it also underscores like the relative simplicity of the thing that hanks is asking for like yeah like all you have to do is give him this guy right right he's it's just like this thing of like he's like no i just i look he killed my family i just need to kill him it's not yeah (laughs) that can't it doesn't have to be that complicated (laughs) yeah and it's such an interesting thing too the idea of like just seeing that power hierarchy where hanks is brought into this family but is not actually part of the family ultimately he's not blood and so like him killing Connor would be like an unforgivable sin but the only reason that he wants to do it is because Connor killed his family if the roles were reversed like if Hanks killed Connor then Newman's character would kill Hanks in an instant because he has to kill Newman first because that's the reason Connor matters right exactly he has to kill the line yeah 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 in order for the deaths and then yeah I mean it's so trying to think of other shots 
I mean, like it's I said, the, I like I said, the, I think one of my favorites is is Hanks and Newman at the piano. And then yeah. there is the and there is the shot of Craig on the on the couch with the cigarette, yeah. which is yeah. incredible. You you also mentioned earlier the shot at the end where where Hanks gets shot. Yes, um, right and, through and the window. Yeah. What I love about shots like that when they're constructed well is it is framed in such a way, given the reflections of the beach outside and everything, that you it takes your brain like a second. You're like, are we outside? looking in or are we inside yeah. looking out like yeah. you're trying to place the geography of the scene and the reflections yeah. um and i love it's I what he uses earlier in the film too with like i said with the the end of the dining room scene it's it's using that the dual focus mm. and then he uses it again there to see right. the 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 life that he has saved as he is about to perish you know, similar it's, it's, to you know, also the, the the looking through the glass door at Michael, yeah. but not seeing him. That's what I was yes. going to mention. Yeah. yeah, and I even love the you mentioned that before. Like Daniel Craig doesn't see him, but the reason he doesn't see him, it's not because he just stops the door. He stops the door to like fix himself and make sure he yes. looks good. Yeah. So he's like too. It's like just this funny the little, arrogance. Yeah, this narcissistic yeah. detail that the only reason Michael's still alive is because the guy is a narcissistic yeah. idiot. Like, but the 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 frame the the shot on 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 law there at the end when you see his face as he's behind the camera, you know, uh, he like lifts his, his, yeah, he lifts his face and you see his face is is genuinely terrifying, chilling, and it's just and also just remarkable like work that they did on him and feels i mean it's it's the kind of thing that almost feels like it just you know whatever it feels cruel it's like that's the last thing that's the last face right see like that just like i want to see this motherfucker right not even handsome not even ai (laughs) dude look yeah not even Uh, dumbledore i can't even see not a john watson come on (laughs) so but no uh do you both have anything else left on road to perdition before we're we start closing this up i think i'm solid connor if you've got yeah anything. no i th- i think i'm good i, I know think we, we ba- well covered it we bounced around a bunch but i think mm-hmm. you know we um we landed we landed on a good solid road yeah have have either of you ever thought to check out the sequel graphic novels no I've always i been, haven't i've always been are you aware of them i was aware of them yeah. and like i knew that the the not the original graphic novel was based kind of on lone wolf and cub was like their right. big like mm-hmm. inspiration for yeah, which you can definitely right. feel in the movie so yeah oh, i I, I would be interested in checking out the the graphic novel yeah and i remember there was a minute um there was a minute i want to say in like the late 2000s where they were like oh maybe we'll get tyler hecklin and maybe we'll Right. We'll like make those. Um, and that P- just, at his P- at his peak drawing power. Yeah, really. of course. I don't Which know. I mean, he's I, Superman now. I well, I was gonna say weirdly. Oh, shit, he is, I mean, yeah. it's a this is technically a Paramount property, so there's like a part of me that would not be surprised if they were like, yeah, I don't know, a little mini series, <laughs> Paramount Plus, like whatever, like whatever. We'll just do it. He's got uh, Teen Wolf Cloud. He's got he's Superman. He's got a lot. I've always been. He would be a good looking guy. I he yeah that actually kind of I remember when he popped up in Everybody Wants Some which Whoa. he's very which oh, is very right. yeah he's very good in he's so good oh, yeah him and Glenn up, Powell yeah, yeah and that I mean and because that movie is full of actors that you're like who the fuck is this awesome dude you I like looked it up and I'm like that's not 
cute that's because it, yeah. it like said he was in I, re- I remember and it's that almost like, like when a... you have a little nephew or something that you haven't seen right, in a million yeah. years and you're like hey where's so and so and then some 17 year old giant is like i'm right here and you're like that's <laughs> yeah i remember that being like an internet <laughs> thing around the time of everybody wants to coming out where people are like that's what the road to perdition kid looks like now all right he went down the right path Makes you feel a little creepy, kind of almost. Like, a little bit. That is what it is. A little bit of a snap. <laughs> um, uh, um, well, I will. You did bring it up earlier, Connor. Got a little bit of a snack. <laughs> Jesus. Um, but oh, the fact that like Newman was nominated for an Oscar, this was his his last big role in order to do that. And and it, I was looking at it. I was trying to remember who won the Oscar for this. Chris Cooper and was Chris Cooper for adaptation. Good, good win though. Good, yeah, a good, good bunch of nominees. This is year, a honestly. solid. John C. Riley um, for Chicago Ed Harris in the hours. Walking and ah, you motherfucker. All right, <laughs> I was gonna get it. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't know you were. Getting, I thought you were reading. Walking in uh, two mice. Con- country oh, bears, right? This was the catch me if you can year. Two mice. Oh uh, yeah, no, cream. It should have been walking. Which it one? Should have been walking. Walking for my money. I think I may have mentioned this to you, Mitchell. I don't remember. Walking for that performance is for my money. Maybe you could argue the greatest performance by an actor in a Steven Spielberg movie. I wow. it's it is. I, I I think that's hard to disagree with. Honestly, it's I'm not. I'm Rylance and BFG. I would be. <laughs> I would be willing to hear uh, arguments giant. against, but it is a big fucking giant. <laughs> That's honestly, what it stands for, right? No, he's honestly, a big fucking guy. He's a big fucking guy. He's he's really big. The <laughs> Mark Rylance. He's oh, speaking actually. One final thought uh, before okay. I guess you start your little wrap up. This movie <laughs> did make me think. I don't know if either of you have seen the outfit. I haven't, but I, I know put that one Dan, on this morning. I know Dan likes it. <laughs> yeah, it. I haven't um, seen it because it, it. I believe it was like, it barely was in theaters here. Yeah, I just it, never went to the press screen because I think it was like right before South by Southwest or something, and I missed it. And I was like, I don't oh, want to. Oh, I don't want to oversell it. It's not as good as this movie, but okay. it's got that it vibe. Is it's got a similar vibe, and it is. Uh, in this in the same way it excels as a simple to- story told simply okay so mm-hmm. if you like this movie uh you can check out the outfit which is very good i think i gave it i've only seen it once i gave it three and a half stars on letterbox but i've mulled it over i feel like if i watched it again i would bump that bump that i gotta over. catch anyway. it it's one that it's one that i missed but i'm sure five, five stars catch. from connor o'donnell <laughs> Well, Connor, we do one thing before we wrap everything up here on the show, and that is we do uh, because the the series is about Tom Hanks, as, as, we, as we clearly stated. And you know, the thing about Tom Hanks is is that we're going to cover a lot of his movies, but there are other movies that we would love to recommend, and we usually like to do that from his co stars within the film that we reviewed. So, Connor, do you have like a film? from it can start any one of his I other mean, co-stars just can't start tom hanks i mean it could start tom hanks i mean just you know coincidentally it, it, yeah but uh but yeah do you have one no i do and you briefly mentioned it before and i didn't want to say anything because i didn't want to spoil but if you watched this and you were like oh i love me some like weathered heavy around the shoulders paul newman that's not color of money you should watch the verdict because for my money, it is 
maybe one of my favorite films and probably a top three Paul Newman performance. In the that's my, my, my favorite Paul Newman performance. He's yeah. so yeah. he's so fucking good in that movie. A lot of great line reads, like a lot of great. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Just a fucking just a great. Uh, movie it's technically a uh, it's a macintosh man reunion because it's paul newman <laughs> and uh james mason if that's what you're looking um, for um so if you're looking for that <laughs> no but it is uh it's i you know i love any performance that can that can show weight on somebody you know sort of an uns any any actor who can carry weight uh mm-hmm. is an impressive actor in my book and paul newman does that amazingly well uh in the verdict so that would be my uh my pick all right mitchell i so i was gonna go for um kind of a twofer because it's newman and jennifer we get Jason two Lee. shit well <laughs> in, in, in one in one film in one film okay, all right. newman and uh jennifer jason lee in the coen brothers the hudsucker proxy oh i think is an extraordinarily underrated coen brothers that, movie love that movie um Kind of, I think it gets just kind of overlooked mostly because it came out in the 90s, which is like this era for the Coens of like masterpiece after masterpiece with Miller's Crossing and Barton Fink and mm-hmm. then Hudsucker Proxy and then Fargo and Big Lebowski. But I think Hudsucker Proxy stacks up with, you know, pretty much the best of their work. It really is so sharp and so funny. It's I mean, the anybody who watches it will say, you know, for kids for the rest of their life (laughs) when talking about things and Newman gets to play a villain in it, which is a lot of fun. Like this like villainous role. Who's he's kind of, you know, the antagonist, the foil to Tim Robbins main character. And Jennifer Jason Lee is basically the Rosalind Russell, right. in his girl Friday. And Mm -hmm. like, is absolutely cried. Like genuinely, I think one of the best performances in any Coen brothers movie, she's so good. Jennifer Jason Lee in it. And if we're speaking to Jennifer Jason Lee as somebody who is, if if, uh, there's any complaint to level against Rosa Perdition is that she's a little bit underserved here. I think Hudsucker proxy is the best Jennifer Jason Lee performance out there. And so, yeah, that would be my, my recommendation for something. Ryan. God, this is this is like a, a a movie with an embarrassment of riches of of actors I love. I love Hanks. Mm-hmm. I love Paul Newman. Le- Liam Aiken, we all love. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Jennifer Jason Leigh. I love her. Um, I agree. Are you going to take the Dylan Baker route? Are you going to no. give us a, a Dylan? <laughs> I do Baker love route? Dylan Baker. No, well, he's, my he's thing pretty, is he's pretty good in this. He's he pretty, pretty good in this. Pretty pretty good. I want um, an egg, and I want it. Runny, runny, <laughs> runny. That was fast. He was um, like, "I have one scene to to really just devour it." All right, I'm gonna, I'm going. Yeah, for no, broke. he fucking, he's so good. Anyway, go on. Sorry. No, it's that. Um, I want to do two, but I, I, I can't. And so I just, I, I, I'll give a shout out to to Tucci. I, I will. We will talk about Tucci at a certain point in this, in sure. uh, with someone else's work or whatnot. And I will. We didn't really talk about how fucking great he is in like every scene he has okay. in this too. It's you so want to talk about? It, let's talk about it. Stanley Tucci <laughs> is a fucking god. Okay. <laughs> and I fucking I love Stanley Tucci. Anything he is in, I swear to God, elevates that movie. Even something as shitty as The Lovely Bones, I sit there and I go, my God, this man. We have to do whatever we can to to save him okay. <laughs> he's making martinis he's very tom hanksy in that way like oh. if tom hanks is america's dad then stanley tucci is america's uncle like sure it's and i think him as 
and sorry, not to dive back into Road to Perdition. Let's do it. But him is, but him is. We got at least three more hours. (laughs) And uh, Road to Perdition. It stars. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, but him is Frank Nitty, who historically Frank Nitty is the guy who took over Al Capone's sort of operations once Capone went to jail. And this movie takes place the year that Al Capone goes to jail. And, um, and so I don't know much about necessarily Frank Nitty as a person, but what I love about the way Tucci plays him is it's very similar. Like when Tucci yells at Connor Rooney and he says, you can't take care of yourself. That's the whole point. You're a big baby who doesn't know his thumb from his dick. You get the sense that he's (laughs) saying that because he is a guy who has been having to work for a big baby who doesn't know his thumb from right, his dick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's mm-hmm. purely a matter of circum, but like Tucci really is the guy who's like running everything yeah. or whatever. And yeah. there's like, like a he- calmness there yeah. too, in that you're going to say, I'm going to let you say what you want to say. Yeah. Act like a little dumb bitch for just a little bit longer, but just know yeah. you, you know, he's like, I'm the future. And it's like, motherfucker i'm the future right right you're looking at the guy you're going to pay off the top like you think you're going to hold your power it's going to be because of what i say and he has ultimately the final say and he's like he's in that room upstairs just fucking get it over with just yeah yeah, yeah. we'll call it even and if and if if (laughs) if if the uh excise lapaglia scene would have added anything it would have been kind of hammering home that Tucci dynamic a little yeah. bit because yeah. Tucci in that room is sort of just he's doing what you're exactly talking about he's like letting Al Capone just like be a baby for a minute until he calms down and then he's like cool so here's what, what let's talk <laughs> what we're gonna do about and... what we're gonna do right mm-hmm. anyway yeah Tucci fucking great touch um, of the Tucci yeah but no I will I will not take Stanley Tucci I will take a Jude Law production and it's 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 a fairly big production in terms of box office for him but it's not one that when people talk about like the films that they love from jude law that they they ever say like that's my favorite because he's he's it's a two-hander with him obviously um and and that is the guy Ritchie sherlock holmes film from 2010 the reason why i picked this film it's not necessarily my favorite guy Ritchie film Guy Ritchie, a fascinating director that I actually have a soft spot for. I Agreed. say that Guy Ritchie is the have you director. Seen Wrath of Man. I've seen him all. Wrath, Wrath like, of Man do you, rules. Do you like Wrath, Wrath of Man? Wrath, Wrath of Man rules. Yeah, agree. As so, as somebody who's not particularly a Guy Ritchie fan, even Wrath of Man fucking rules. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, I I say that uh, Guy Ritchie is what Michael Bay wishes he was as the director um, mm. because he's like an adult. Uh, but even though they have similar sort of tendencies of, of questionable things, I yeah, think Michael ambulance Bay rules. I do think I do think I do think Bay is maybe finally maturing into uh, the director, a 14 year old that, that guy yeah. Richie was 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, He'll know. get there. So I, maybe I do, hopefully I, by the I end, understand, yeah. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, no, I, I I love even like and even in his questionable movies. I sit there and I go like, 
yeah, but why do I like this? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, he's, you know, there are at least some things happening, even as, yeah, even he's his, always, uh, he's got something to say. His King Arthur movie even has, yeah, like, I, I that's, like good, that's the kind of a good movie. Yeah. I like, I, I like, you know who's the, fun in that? Jude Law. Jude Law. Dude is great, fun. great yeah. villain in that movie. And, yeah. um, but no, um, the reason why is, is because the first uh, Sherlock Holmes film, um, with him and Robert Downey Jr. and, um, uh, Rachel McAdams and Mark Strong, who's always playing a bad guy, mm-hmm. um, is the first film I ever saw in the theater with my wife. Oh, no, that's, that's nice. And that's a good one, too. It's just like it's just fun. entertaining. Yeah. It's just fun. Made out the whole time. Um, yeah. But uh, <laughs> she didn't remember. Played, half more the like a game of shadows. Am I right? You know, <laughs> <laughs> hey, whoa. Oh. If Con- if Connor was here, I would give him the biggest high five on the planet. That was a great, great joke. No, but it's I do good. like those films, and they're a lot of fun. And Law, in particular, is is just having a ball with Downey, which I think that that's like such a better role for Downey than than mm. like the Iron Man MCU sort of stick because it's gotten. Yeah, so where's tired our and- Sherlock Holmes three? If I'm being honest, I, I would, to be honest, I would go. I mean, immediate i would go let's go i mean i would and that's like the thing too is like he you know you have he worked on king arthur with uh with richie and and i think that they richie man he makes some really interesting sort of choices with his direction too it's almost like with bay and like snyder in those senses with some of the slow motion action and then i like that the slow motion action has purpose because it's using like right it's a narrative device it's a narrative device to use for sherlock's sort of you know methodology of everything and it's just it's if you're gonna do a sherlock holmes movie that's more of an action flick or something you're gonna have guy Ritchie do it you're at least gonna have some fun moments and i do think the chemistry between law and Downey is really fun. Plus, it's just very sentimental for me. Uh, and then, yeah, like I think on our anniversary, a couple of years later was when we saw Game of Shadows, a movie that Roger Ebert gave like three and a half out of four on Letterboxd instead of, or on, uh, on his website. Roger yeah. Ebert, famously a Letterboxd user. You don't know. You'll never know. Uh, <laughs> Connor, what, what was it? the what was the first movie you saw in theaters with your wife? Your wife, my wife, by the way. Um... Sorry, we didn't do that. That's a good. We well, we were we were friends for a very long time before we got together. She was with another individual for a very long time. Your controversial, friend. controversial, so very. Your um, friend. I was patient. Let's let's get into let's but, get into that. So so I don't no no. no but I, that that said, we I got another hour. The exact first movie because it probably sure. was something that we like saw together as friends in college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although I, I will say a good memory I had aptly titled is right before we started dating we went to the paris theater and we saw love and friendship the wit still well, well look at that look at oh. that uh, also a good movie that movie yeah. kate baggotsale is oh, kate Baggett-Sale so good in that oh, movie. so good yeah. so good anyway I mitchell what was yeah. the first movie you saw with sam uh shape the of theater. water shape of water okay yeah. Okay. I fell asleep halfway through because I was very tired and I had already seen the movie, which I like very much. Sam did not like the movie. I'm on Sam's side. Connor, before before we wrap up, I did want to ask you, because you are co-host of the B-Side podcast, we, for, you know, doing this Tom Hanks series, we are not really doing too many B-Sides. We are, Ooh, we're getting into okay. those conversations a little bit, but... A lot of what we're covering are kind of the big movies. And then if we're doing ones that are a little bit 
like left of the big movies it's still something like this or like the lady killers which aren't like the hugest hits but you still wouldn't call them b-sides and if you you haven't covered larry crown yet right Howard? we are going to do that, larry okay. crown which i'm that, very, that very you're talking about lc that's that's pretty close LC, that 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 feels pretty b-side that's pretty me. close yeah is but, that what your question is do i have any recommends on uh, like yep a, exactly 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 i don't see i don't I know i know you and dan did yeah, we did, like a, we did like a man, fake yeah, one. Yeah. yeah, we did like a fake one. We'll probably do a, a proper Tom Hanks mm-hmm. deserves a proper episode. So we probably will do one at some point um, on our Tom Hanks, Tim Allen episode that came out alongside Toy Story Four. one of the Tom Hanks movies we talked about was um, was Volunteers. Right. Which is just kind of a wild misfire. I wouldn't recommend it. It's just sort of like an interesting thing. Um, And I don't, this is, I feel like maybe a questionable B side. And I actually, I think one of the first Hanks movies I ever saw was Joe versus the volcano. Yeah. Which is a movie I have a huge, have you guys covered that on this? We, we didn't do an episode on it, but I, so I incidentally, I mean, I guess not incidentally, but I watched it for uh, the weekend watch list podcast that I do for Letterboxd yeah. um, like a, a month or so ago. So I talked about it a little bit on what I don't know which episode, but one of our episodes of uh, acting out. I can't remember which film we were covering, but like at the beginning, I was like, hey, by the way, as we're talking about Tom Hanks, I just watched Joe versus Volcano. And it's I, it's a movie that I really, really liked a lot, but it is. Similar, we did do an episode on the Burbs, and I feel like Joe versus Volcano has a similar thing with the sure. Burbs, where like they weren't huge hits when they came out, but they have enough of like a cult following now yeah, over people, the years. Pe- people know them now. Can't really yeah. call them like a, a necessarily a B side. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. It's not like a. Yeah, nobody really talks. They're not about volunteers. Them, but it's also not a. It's also not a deep cut. Um, other than that, I would say. Sorry, I, I pulled as soon as you mentioned it. I pulled up. I, I saw. I saw you pulling it up. <laughs> Uh, his wiki here yeah i mean you got i mean that's the other thing he's one of our biggest movie stars it's of all time. tough to so find b-sides it's, of him, it's yeah you know? it's it's tricky to like find ones that like, i think that i think uh that new pinocchio movie of his will be a oh B-side. yeah we'll, yeah we'll maybe we'll wait when that comes out <laughs> maybe maybe like a seaside yeah yes. yeah the yeah. i mean i would argue to say in the world of hanks a movie like cloud atlas feels like a b-side like sure because we're just not because of his filmography yeah yeah you're just not gonna remember it right like it's it's different like you know if you're looking at the wikowski filmography you're never gonna write cloud atlas but it's sandwiched in there you know that might be that might be a b-side on the on their on their filmography I, I'm also trying to find ones like I, I, I like, like the Matrix. I like uh, I like Cloud Atlas, but I'm also trying to find ones that I like would actually. You know what? I feel like we kind I know like film Twitter talks about it and shit. I feel like we don't really talk about Sully. Sure. Like, yeah. I don't I don't yeah. really think it's a B-side necessarily, because, again, like, you know, people in our general talking a great stash. Uh, but he's very good in that movie. He's Aaron Eckhart uh, is really good in that movie yeah, too. Which you can't say about every Aaron Eckhart movie. So when that happens, you yeah. should, you should. It's maybe. very far in in between. It's like that and Dark Knight, and then Thank You for Smoking. I Frankenstein. I, I would. Frank- <laughs> everybody's favorite. Uh, ne- never was. You guys remember that fucking never movie? Was. Was <laughs> I watched McKellen a movie called and, uh, Erased. That he oh, was sure. like it was like yeah. him doing like a born kind of thing, uh-huh. which I I kind of liked. Yeah. Um, so like a like a title for his career for like the last 20 Look, years he's just like? he's just one of two lonely 
our children uh, reaching for eternity or whatever. Um, did you literally just quote Elvis? Elvis yeah, I did. Two lonely turtle, children turtle floating Parker. in the bed of um, my own prosthetics. <laughs> I Okay, look, I'm going to go on the record right now. Here we go. I'm excited for Tom Hanks and Elvis. I <laughs> I like I my because my thing is like I like my boss big and sweaty and sure. fucking over the top and shit. So like if you're going to do like, it. Yeah. Part of me is like, yeah, let's go. I, just, I want to. I want he looks Tom too Hanks. much like Stalin Sarsgaard from Dune. No, he looks like um no, it's Tom Hanks being channeled through like the the resurrected corpse of Sidney Greenstreet. From fucking Casablanca and Maltese, okay. it's like that. That's yeah. like his. Anyway, um, no, but the big recommend actually because it's a movie that came out very recently, maybe got like a little bit of play, but I feel like nobody really talked about it. Uh, News of the World is a very good picture. Oh, okay. And Hanks is very good in that. So that is another one. We Dan and I were fortunate enough to talk to uh, Darius Wolski, who shot that movie. Yeah. Um, and we talked a little bit about we talked mostly about other movies, but um, <laughs> but but that is a that is a particularly good uh, Tom Hanks performance. So I is, uh, kind of going to ask you, uh, is is Finch a B-side? Oh, I would say so, because I fucking totally forgot what that movie was. <laughs> I, yeah, I that's the I will say this is like the bummer of the Tom Hanks cornering like Apple TV plus thing is I still have not seen Greyhound and I haven't seen You'd like it. You'd like Greyhound. I'm sure I would. It feels like I need to watch them them both too. Yeah. Um, And what's sad is like their streaming platform or their their press platform, those movies never leave. They're always there. They always stay. Yeah, that's like they're just giving them away. I just, yeah, it's an interesting, it's like a, kind of a shitty byproduct of the streaming landscape because it's just something that i i never think to go to apple tv plus to like watch a thing right uh even though i have I think for their television shows but then their movies i'm like yeah you just oh yeah okay i watch coda it took took me a million and this is actually maybe a shocker but like it took me a million years to get around to Macbeth because right. i was just like it's just there i'll watch it it's there you know yeah. but we were um, all we're all watching palmer for first week. <laughs> oh, hang on. Legit B-side and kind of a nice movie that I like. Ready? Okay. Hologram for the King. Hell yeah. Uh, Good movie. Yeah. Tom Tickworth. So, we're talking Cloud yeah, Atlas, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of I like that movie. So I like I like that movie, too. That's, that's my official. I haven't seen it. I, I, it. Yeah, it's, it's a good movie. Him and uh, Sarita Chattori. Oh. It's just sound, is, it, is, is it like charming? It sounds like yeah, that, no, that's, that's exactly, it looked like that's that movie exactly. would be charming. Yes, it's, yeah, it's you such could watch, such an easy watch. It's like you okay. could watch it with your mom and your mom. Would be, I, I, would feel, I saw I saw it in theaters with my mom. Yeah. And your mom would be like, what a good motion picture. And you'd be like, yeah, cool. And I, I feel like then great you day. see it. And then like four months later, you know, your mom's like, remember when we remember when we saw Hologram for a King? And our afternoon was blissful. We had a was like, I'm summer salad like, at a brunch. Um, <laughs> and when your mom drops the, the, the word blissful all the time. <laughs> <laughs> that was just blissful. Uh, so, well, Connor, thank you so much for coming on and doing thank this show. Thank you so much. It was, it was, Connor, it was a really blissful time. Yeah, it was, it was a blissful, blissful experience. That's how I would describe this. I, yeah. I feel like we... We were rel- we main- maintained a relatively light disposition talking about a, a very bleak. Uh, yeah. very I think we kept film. it pretty upbeat, which is yeah. more than what this movie could say. But uh, Connor, can you tell everyone where they can find you and all your work on the internet? 
Uh, well, I live in Astoria, Queens, and no, um, <laughs> uh, actually, I'm stealing Mitchell's joke. Mitchell made that joke, I think, when they were on uh, oh, the true, yeah. side. So I'm, I'm, I'm stealing that. I apologize. It's okay. Nobody uh, listens to that one. Every and... everybody, a lot of viewers, listeners on this one, but you know, <laughs> uh, no, you can find me on Twitter at Scruffy Looking, or you can follow the B side at TFSB side on Twitter or Facebook. I also write reviews every once in a while for the film stage. Um, I don't know when this is dropping, but as of this recording, I have just reviewed Maverick, uh, which Good review. I, yeah, which I liked quite a bit. So Maverick? Um, Top Gun Maverick, yes. Oh, okay. It was like, Good. is that a ho- new horse movie or no. something? I don't know. <laughs> the, the, the Mel Gibson, you're doing like a retrospective. Oh, okay. The, uh, All right. I, I know we're not supposed to say we like Mel Gibson movies, but no, I... No, no. Really, that movie's great. I really like Maverick. I think, we, I think we talked about it on a different episode of this podcast. That Maverick, is Maverick is a lot of Yeah, fun. he's he, oh. he's a bad human being, but he's a damn good actor. Yeah. yeah it's, it it's, sucks that you can't. We mentioned we mentioned Spacey that. before. I feel like the two of them, not to go no, out on a, on a no, not to go out on a weird note. I feel like the two of them are ones where, <laughs> where when I watch when I watch the good movies, I'm like, oh god, like shit. Yeah. yeah. It, it hurts. Probably, it hurts. probably not going to get covered on on this show, but you know. No. Well, no, no I mean, nor never should they, but all right. Well, um, now, now you just spoiled exactly who we're <laughs> doing after Tom Hanks, Mitchell. Right. Uh, but day. Mitchell, I'm, can... I'm getting that life of life of David Gale episode <laughs> in here. If it's the last thing I do, some fucking shipping news is coming your <laughs> way. What is um, that? The the one with Helen Hunt and uh, Haley Joel. Pay, pay it forward. Pay it forward. Pay it forward, baby. Yeah. John Bon Jovi and Jim Caviezel and fucking all of all of the anybody Jim else Caviezel, who owed someone anybody money. else <laughs> Mitchell can you tell everyone where they can find you and all your amazing work on the internet sure you can find me on Twitter at it is Mitchell on Letterbox at letterbox.com slash Mitchell uh, podcast like we can watch this at Letterbox. I would love to plug being on the b-side recently to mm. talk with connor and dan about gene hackman for a very uh great excellent episode. episode that i had a great time doing mm. um yeah that's it ryan you well you should also plug that mitchell was recently on the letterbox show sure and they were fantastic Thank some you would say that was the best show the letterbox show has ever done i would say that yes <laughs> You are you are part of the sum. Yeah. Yes. Some of all fears. Uh, But uh, they call me. Yes. Please go and follow all of Mitchell's work, and you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterbox at Ryan McQuaid seventy seven. You can find my work over at Awards Watch, In Session Film, Film Speak, the playlist, pretty much the internet. I'm trying to dominate the internet. That's what I'm trying to do. Uh, you can listen to the extra film podcast, uh, the awards watch podcast. And then for this show, you can go on Twitter at acting out pod. If you want to email us uh, some thoughts and some questions, uh, we're going to be doing like a sort of a wrap up coming up soon. If you want to talk and just your thoughts on any of these movies or movies that you wish we talked about, or if you just want to give us like your Larry crown thoughts, uh, the uh, email is acting out pod at gmail.com. Next episode, Mitchell, you want to plug that for all of our listeners? What we're doing next? On our next episode, we will be joined by 
Connor's co-host of the B-Side podcast, Dan Mecca, to chat. I got in before him. Yeah. Where, we, yeah. where I'll call Dan Connor on that episode and really yeah. just screw everything it'll, up. It'll work out. And we will, yeah. be, uh, we will be discussing everybody's favorite Coen Brothers movie, the wonderful, the fantastic, some would say masterpiece, The Lady Killers. No the same that. sum that said that the Letterbox show. <laughs> Wait a <the> second. <laughs> oh, hold on here. Look, I'm looking forward to that episode. Haven't seen The Lady Killers in quite some time. Did not remember liking that movie. So we will we will see how that goes. But Connor, thank you again for coming on. Thank you both. Thanks so much, and Connor. We will see you all next time.